K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning. Oh, no. Hello? I'm not hearing anything. Uh-oh. I love Monday mornings for this. I'm not hearing anything on your end. Oh, no. Oh, is there some... There's some wires mixed in our... No. Oh, I can't hear anything. I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on right now. Um, yeah. Live radio, people. Can you hear me, Sandy? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can't hear anything. Unfortunately, I don't know what's going on right now. I've got, got it all on, too. Oh, well. So, I mean, I can't hear Sandy at all, so we're probably just going to have to maybe skip the segment. I'm so sorry. I don't know what's going on. So, and I don't have it. Yeah, sorry. Okay, hold on. All right, I think she's trying to figure something out. I'm not sure if it was me. Let me leave the chat, but yes. kind of for them hi i was just talking about how i didn't watch the super bowl but the rams won so i at least yes. up later did you watch any of it good morning yes we actually watched the whole thing oh did you wow all, yeah. all 12 hours of it um <laughs> it feels like this is why i don't watch american football it's like it just lasts too long i just i can go and stream all the commercials on yes. youtube i don't have to watch any of the game in between but did you enjoy it um, I enjoyed the halftime show tremendously. Mary J. Blige and the amazing. the The game was was okay. I mean, it it kept you entertained. It wasn't a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Um. And one of the things we were going to report on today is that one of the Rams, the he's a wide receiver, mm -hmm. he was rushed off the field and straight to the hospital because his wife went into labor at the Super Bowl. What? So that was a little bit of behind the scenes excitement. Yes, very yeah, had quite an exciting um, Super Bowl for more reason than one. I mean, that's, I guess you do have to kind of leave for that moment. Yeah. <laughs> Super Bowl. Yes. I don't know. You know the game. She went into labor. Oh, man. Too much excitement, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of, was it, was it like a big player that they missed or someone, like, did he leave, have to leave? Like, like, was he playing? Yeah, I think he was definitely in use. Okay, well, um, that's, so that's crazy. You know, How funny. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, like the only name I knew, Odell Beckham Jr., who scored first touchdown but then left for a knee injury. That's the only person that I actually yeah. knew the name of. Oh, okay. But yeah, no, I loved that the halftime show. It was yeah, really so cool. Jefferson I, actually had um, four catches and 23 receiving yards. Oh, no. So, yeah, he still contributed. Well, um, so in other news, <laughs> oh no, what what's going on? Um, the vaccine clinic is back up and live again. Uh, okay. Revised schedule for the uh, coming month now, so that has been posted. So do check out uh, the schedule. So just please remember, folks, that they're at McClendon Drive now. Mm -hmm. If you still have yet to gotten your vaccine uh, shots one and two or the booster, 
Yeah, um, definitely go get that booster. We've got the first two shots. It doesn't make sense to just not keep up on it. Yeah. You, know? you don't just get one flu shot and it's over for the rest of your life. One, you know, you do yeah. have to keep up on on transforming, mutating viruses. And speaking of, speaking of that, we do have Dr. Newton joining us this morning right after I'm done with you. Yeah. So we're going to be oh. getting the expert position in all of these things. So very excited about that. Okay. Um, over $1.4 million worth of cocaine was seized. Um, the police revealed on Friday. Mm. This is quite a catch, no doubt. Um, so they said that on Wednesday at about 9.30 a.m., officers from various units within the RCIPS conducted a search at an address in Georgetown. And there they confiscated quite a large sum of drugs. That's a street value estimated. KYD one point, uh, it's actually 1.5 million if you round it up. And so far, no arrests have been made. So I'm just wondering how that, how do you go to somebody's house and take out $1.5 million worth of drugs and you don't arrest anyone? I'm like, Maybe home. You just walked by the dog, walked by the family cat and said, we're, we're just going to confiscate the drugs, but the homeowner doesn't get arrested. Like, it's just weird yeah. that they say no one was arrested. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe it was, you know, someone, I don't know. You get it. Yeah, know. I don't know. That, that's a, that's a, um, I don't know. NCIS. Plausible disability. Uh, do you remember the South Sound aggravated burglary that we talked about? Yeah. I think the week right. before. Right. So thankfully, they have made an arrest um, actually in this case. So a young man who is only, um, I believe he's only 21 years old. Yeah. He has been arrested in relation to this. Um, yeah, but he, this person has to know who the person is. You don't just like target and know there's a safe in someone's house, do you, or? Um, I mean, we don't have any details yeah. yet, but Romario Desmond Brown, age 21, has been charged in relation to this burglary. And um, there are others, obviously, that the police are still looking for. Hmm. Uh, so they say that other individuals are known to be involved in the incident, um, which resulted in the forced removal of a safe. So it, it'll be interesting to hear the details of, of who these individuals are and how they may have known that there was even a safe there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And how do you like, oh, I guess I don't know. Maybe it's easy, safe to crack open. I've seen, I found one on the, that washed up, washed up on a beach once. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know how you, I don't know how it was mounted or anything like that, but um, I suppose if it's, if it's in the ground, you might have to try to remove the bolts and take it out. Um, and then try to get into it. I mean, it's just like when people steal yeah. ATMs, like. Right. Okay. So, um, Russian invasion of Ukraine still remains a real threat and a real possibility. So, I know over the weekend, um, from Friday going into the weekend, everyone was on high alert. The U.S. Embassy was telling American citizens to make a quick exit out of Ukraine um, because essentially they were not going to take any responsibility for you know their safety if they remained. And quite interestingly enough, a few of them were protesting. They were saying that they were going to stay in solidarity with the people in uh, in Ukraine. So mm. um, yes, you yeah. know, tensions remain high as of yesterday. It said that basically they were gonna make a call. I think it was yesterday morning, they were planning on getting on the phone and, and talking with each other. This would have been Biden and Putin. And unfortunately they were unable to make any sort of real breakthroughs with that phone call. Um, so, you know, um, we'll see what happens. But I think the US is, minded to respond if Russia invades Ukraine. Um, but they've told embassy staff, the State Department has ordered embassy staff to leave 
as soon as possible. Yeah, it's like a, a wild story to keep, but you know, and it's yeah, Putin it is like all about like, yeah. well, Putin's all about like he's he plays weird like KGB games still. Like in his mind, there's like a battle to win with the West or something, and it's mm-hmm. very yeah. I mean, obviously, that's a whole different world than what I'm used to, what we're used to here. It's so it's yeah, it's good it was- chance to be there in Ukraine right now. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because um, the U.S., uh, the Florida National Guard, um, the U.S. actually moved the Florida National Guard troops out of Ukraine as well. So, I mean, that's a sign that they're definitely taking this um, very, very seriously. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we'll see. It seems like a very unusual time to want to go to war when the world is dealing with COVID and everything else. Seems a little bit crazy. But speaking of COVID, in our final news of the day, Prince Charles, last week it was announced, I think on Friday, that Prince Charles had tested uh, COVID positive for the second time. Ah. And um, he had met with his mom, the Queen Elizabeth, obviously, the second, not too long before that. But they said that so far um, she was fine and she had tested negative. So what's he doing? Where's he getting COVID from all the time? Where's he out and about at? I don't really know, to be honest. I'm afraid I don't have his itinerary. <laughs> like, you know, you'd think like maybe everyone's a little bit more, I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, it's so easy. It really is, uh, it really is easy to catch. So it is. I, don't I get know. it. But I think it's more like, like, especially people with kids right now, it's a lot easier for households because it's, you know, the kids play together a lot more. But, you know, yeah, there are still people that have never caught it, are able to, you know, keep themselves mm-hmm. safe enough so it's funny like it's just what's what's he up to i'm i just want to know he, he doesn't yeah, want to, I, to go to school <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm not really sure yeah, how he they're partying is what i'm trying to get at but <laughs> yeah every you know it's interesting because everyone tries to be careful but yeah i suppose you can only be as careful as possible and he has also been reminding his brother andrew to stay out of sight given ah. his pending trial um so Yes, we'll see. Um, Yeah, that's, I mean, that's going to be, I feel like that's going to be going on for a little while. Yeah. So. All right. So, Aaron, have a wonderful day. Thank you You so much. Blake will be back tomorrow and we'll catch up with you about everything then. All right. Awesome. Bye, everyone. You too. Bye. All right, folks. Good morning. That was Blake and Aaron, uh, minus the Blake. Uh, Aaron was solo. My apologies for the mic issues. The physical mic was turned off. You know, sometimes I'm so focused on just the mic settings on the computer that I forget to check on the physical button. And it's easy to do because sometimes you just touch it and it goes on. But guess what? It is Monday. Happy Monday. And it's Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day. I don't know if you guys noticed, but I am wearing my red to represent. Um, My five-year-old reminded me. Mom, I have to wear red today. And I said, why? Because it's Valentine's Day. And I got an oh-so-lovely Valentine's Day card. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Let's go ahead and kick off the show this morning. Buenos dias. You're now tuned in to the cold, hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea. 
piping hot. So grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmorrowroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands. All right, folks, good morning. We have uh, <clears throat> Dr. Newton down um, in the studio with us who's going to be joining us. Um, just getting her a little bit sorted out here. So let's go ahead and uh, do our morning greetings. So good morning and happy Valentine's Day to all of you. Oh, by the way, let me not forget to send this to all of Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh-oh, uh-oh, give me one second now. I got to send everybody in the WhatsApp group the reminder to tune in to the show. Sometimes they're sitting there just waiting for me to send that to them. And you know what? <clears throat> it's so funny. Um, they'll actually message me. Oh, you forgot to send us the link. And I'm like, well, if you're actually remembering to remind me. <laughs> but I know they're thinking about the others who... Um, may not be remembering to tune in. So hold on one second now. Let me just grab the Facebook one. So those are always delayed a little bit. So remember folks, we are streaming live on uh, both Facebook and YouTube and you are most welcome to join the show. We do have um, some of you who've sent your questions in advance for Dr. Newton this morning. So she's gonna join us for the first hour of the program. We wanna be respectful and mindful um, of her time. And then after that, boy, do we have a lot to talk about. Since it's Valentine's Day, I figure, let's talk about marriages of convenience um, after Dr. Newton leaves the studio. So let's go ahead and bring her in um, after we say a few good mornings. Elizabeth is here, Irvlin is here. Uh, Moya, you see somebody just messaged me. Is there no show this morning? Of course there's a show. I'm sending it right now. Um, good morning to Elizabeth. Yes, buenos dias. Um, good morning to Dr. Tahir Khan, who's joining us from Total Health. Good morning, Dr. Khan. How are you? Romelia is here from Windsor Park. Marshall joining us from uh, North Carolina. Leonida, good morning. How are you? Larry joining us from New York. Diamond Princess right here. I think Diamond Princess is in the Savannah area. That's where she works, but I think she maybe lives in the area too. Wee oui, wee, oui. good morning. How are you? Miss Barbara's got it locked. Catherine from Baden Town. Um, probably more like breakers, right, Catherine? Uh, Barbara, Olivia's here. Miss Lily. Joining us from Savannah. Good morning, Robert. How are you? Alice and Dale. Uh, just Seth is here. Omeria sending some morning greetings, wishing everyone a happy and beloved kindness day today, she says. Debbie, Siobhan, and Chantel, and so many more people. We've got 100, over 130 people joining the live stream already. East End, my apologies. Let's not get East End and Breakers confused because they're definitely not the same. Uh, Breakers is north side. Good morning, Louie. He says he's freezing four degrees Fahrenheit in Detroit. Good morning, Dr. Newton. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Well, you look lovely, I must say. Um, <laughs> yes, bright and early on a uh, Monday morning. So first of all, 
Um, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to join us here on uh, the Cohort Truth. Um, our audience have been, uh, you know, waiting with bated breath to have you on the program. We're so incredibly excited. That's very kind of you. Thank you for having me. So we have um, some questions. We were encouraging people to kind of send questions in advance if that was possible, because obviously we know that uh, this is a very specialized field and it would be great and useful to have given you the opportunity to kind of know exactly um, what people were asking. But of course, it is also a live show, so we may get one or two uh, questions coming into the mix. So first of all, can you give us, let's start out with some of the, the latest numbers. Now, I know that some um, weeks back, a decision was made to transition to a weekly uh, report. Tell us why that decision was made and why it's important to look at numbers, perhaps in a broader sense. Okay, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to explain uh, what there is behind this. Um, when you when you look at raw numbers on a daily basis, uh, mm -hmm. they give you some information. Of course, you know the mm -hmm. raw numbers are the the bread and butter of statistics. If you don't, if you talk only about percentages without knowing the raw numbers, it doesn't make very much sense. Right. However, the problem with raw numbers on a daily basis is they don't give you indication of what is really happening or anything which is we call a trend mm. so if you try uh, from a policy uh, maker point of view um, we always look at trends mm -hmm. rather than just the data on the day um, and we transform data in uh, from raw data to percentages and and so on to make it more um, uh, readable and understandable what is going on. This is why um, it was my uh, first objective when I arrived here was to try to provide data which means something to people. Mm. Um, that allow people to see where are we going rather than just saying, oh, yeah, today we have had this and, and then, you know, and, and that's it. Uh, we have, however, we are very conscious and very respectful of what the people wishes are. And so, as you know, some, um, some statistics, some information is, provide, is still provided on a daily basis. Mm. And this is about how many people are in hospital that day, if, unfortunately, about one death if there have been any deaths, how many new positives there are that day. Uh, so these are crucial uh, pieces of information that people still receive. With the weekly um, uh, bulletin, is all about trends and see where we are going. Mm -hmm. It gives us the opportunity uh, to share with people key messages you know, what is really important now, um, why we need the booster, uh, why uh, we still need maybe to wear masks inside. Mm. Uh, you know, this is this sort of thing. So this is why I also made a point that the, the bulletin had to be available to the to the public. So there is nothing hidden here. It's not that I have uh, additional information which I'm not sharing with anybody. So the public gets all the information we have. 
but also the efforts we put in in trying to uh, to make that information readable and understandable. Yeah, so thank you um, for that comprehensive response. And um, I mean, I think I understood it, you know, initially uh, when you said that this is sort of the way forward and making the information more meaningful. And it became quite evident to me um, during various times in the, um, you know, sort of in the pandemic when we were getting daily numbers, it also caused a sense of like panic without having that broader picture view, right? So you kept saying every day, oh, it's a thousand, you know, new positives. And you're like, oh my gosh. And, you know, some people, quite interestingly enough, were not even having a look at um, what time period it was for. So I know that, you know, Mondays, normally we would have like maybe three or four days worth of um, figures being provided. And people just look at the raw number and think, oh my gosh, we've set a new record. It's so much when it was actually maybe over three or four, it might've been a record, mind you, but it was also over um, a number of days, right? So um, does it make it easier for the people who are doing the reporting and the tallying to be able to do it this way as well? Is Is their job a little bit easier? Well, up to a point. Mm-hmm. There are some fundamental issues here, um, and this is not, um, you know, these are issues that are not uh, just for Cayman. Mm-hmm. I would say it's full of, all over the world, to be honest, yeah. even in uh, um, very well-organized uh, countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, you always have a number of issues with surve- what we call the surveillance data. Right. Um, but coming back to Cayman, so where you start asking, where are the data coming from? Yes. Okay. So for hospital admission, it's not a terrible job because basically our hospital admission come from two main hospitals plus the, um, the hospital in Cayman um, Brack. Mm-hmm. But then you are talking relatively small number, thank goodness. And even so, uh, we we had one hospital giving uh, information in a certain way and another hospital giving in a different way. And so we're trying to reconciliate the two things. The big problem comes with the laboratory data uh, because uh, there are more than one source there and all these data are on spreader sheets, which are all slightly different from each other. Mm-hmm. So the people who do the central surveillance cannot simply receive the information from one lab and put on their system and then analyze it. Because you might have some you might have somebody who has gone to more than one lab, if you understand what I'm trying to say, and mm-hmm. have repeated tests. So at that point, it's a matter of having to go almost one by one and cleaning the data. And Mm. that takes an enormous amount of time. In fact, we receive, for example, but also is the the workload of the lab itself. You know, we receive receive information from labs at 11 o'clock in the evening. Mm. So how you clean those, so those data are not all in the same order, and then you have to clean them. So you can imagine producing those data on a daily basis is already quite an impossible task. 
but then it doesn't give you any time to put together the trends and to make some uh, observation, some mm -hmm. useful observation. So yes, it has made it um, a bit uh, simple, um, you know, to give, at least you don't have that enormous pressure of trying to produce um, everything on, on the, um, on each day, uh -huh. it also gives us the opportunity, as I say, to analyze a bit this data. Otherwise, we are back to these raw data, which do not mean very, very much. Because if you think um, two, three weeks ago now, uh -huh. because of the change in the regulations, because we were trying to reduce the quarantine and the isolation period, so we had to, to test suddenly a huge amount of people. This is why you were seeing those big, big spikes. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can imagine about the amount of work which went on to that. And if we hadn't had the opportunity then of the weekly report and saying, hang on, but some of these is because we are retesting people now because we're trying to, um, to reduce the quarantine. With a daily basis what data, what would you have thought? Oh my God, this is the end of the world. Why we have so many? Understand mm. how misleading can be raw mm -hmm. data on a daily basis. Right. If you don't wow. understand what is happening, what is the picture there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we knew obviously we had the 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 Omicron, and we know what Omicron does, arrives in, um, if you remember, our first case was in, um, on the beginning of, was sometimes in December, and mm -hmm. we knew we would go to a spike, and that was that, that was our third wave, uh, because we know Omicron spreads very, very quickly, it's better than Delta or Alpha, the original variant, and transmits very well, um, and then and then it goes down. So that coupled with the fact that we were reducing the quarantine, this is why we had so many people going and being tested. Now, okay. if you don't understand that, uh, you can really panic. Yes. Mm -hmm. Is there such a thing as too much testing? Um, I need to be very careful here. Yeah. We're okay. trying to uh, we're trying to make it. Um, you know, we are looking at streamlining now and reducing the amount of testing. Mm -hmm. uh, but there have been um, instances, I think, uh, where people have gone to one the more provider to get the, you know, say the first one, or this is possible, or let me go to another one to see whether right. I get the different results. And now the problem is that creates an enormous confusion because mm. tests are, they are meant to change. They, they give you the answer on the day, okay? Mm -hmm. You can change your answer the following day. Right. So... This is why, again, with tests, you have to have a beginning and an end, or you have to have repeated 
repeated tests when you want the clearance uh, uh, towards the end. But if you are in the middle of that thing and you are and you're trying to say, oh, maybe if I have another test now, I get the results I want. Uh, right. That creates this enormous amount of people testing and testing and testing. Um, you know, this is why we try to uh, to indicate and to say this is when you test. Just follow the protocols. You know, just let's try to um, to have a clear um, clearer idea of what mm -hmm. is going on, etc. Uh, but this is on the background that you have. Um, Although we know on average how long somebody who gets infected um, remains positive, that's an average. Then you have always the, the ones on, on the one side and the other side who might be longer or, or who might be shorter. You understand that this is why is we are all different individuals um, and things can change and results can change from one person to the other. Mm. Very interesting. We do have a user, um, a user, a listener who is uh, keenly listening and they want to know that if somebody tests positive initially and then tests positive again on their first exit test, is that reported as another positive case? No, because that's the a person, continuation. Uh, yes, because the test is linked to the person. That is all the cleaning of data that I was telling mm. you. Mm -hmm. Now, this is made, uh, it seems an obvious thing, you see, because the, I have the name of the person, I have the mm -hmm. surname, I have the date of birth, and then I get, doesn't matter where the test results come from, from right. this one, I should be able to link. Yes. That's the theory. In practical terms, you mm -hmm. cannot. The one lab might report the surname first and the name after. You might have misspellings in the name and the surname. You may have you may have misspellings in the date of birth. That's what it makes what we call reconciliation so complex. Because at the moment we do not have what is called the unique identifier. A unique identifier is usually an, uh, either is a number or is numerical, alphanumerical, you know, yes. which is assigned uh, assigned to the individual the first time that they get in touch. And that's mm. a much better protection in terms of you look at that number rather than looking the name, how it's spelled, it's the wrong way around, how is the date spelled and so on. And that's where we should trying to, to get to, but we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Will we move, do you see us ever moving in that direction where we do get a unique identifier? Absolutely. I have huge opened plans, uh, but I do need, you know, somebody who is a, a consultant epidemiologist who is then specialized, specialized in databases. Mm -hmm. That's what we are trying uh, to get, etc. Because in you know we want to move away from mm -hmm. Excel spreadsheets, which are mm -hmm. copied and pasted, right? As you can imagine. Um, so the unique identifier would be one of those uh, 
uh, step forward, which will be part of the setting up of the databases and so on. Yes. There's so many moving parts to this, um, Dr. Newton. When you said to me, not just an epidemiologist, which is a specialist in his or her own yeah. right, but also an epidemiologist with um, that specific yeah. uh, set of, of you know background experience or expertise of dealing mm -hmm. with data management and having either you know knowledge or understanding of software um, that can assist in that yeah. regard. So we've learned a lot in the last couple of years. I mean, it's amazing how far we've come. And uh, do you think that overall this this um, experience? I know we're still not, you know, obviously completely through it. We don't know what's around the bend, right? But do you think that overall this experience has been good for a lot of countries to really um, test their responses to infectious diseases, generally speaking? Absolutely. I mean, the you have to I um, to refer to what are called the international health regulations from WHO. These were set up now a number of years ago following uh, the first quite worrying a big outbreaks that, that we had in the past. You remember, or some of, of your listeners might remember when there was the first SARS-COVID uh, um, uh, scare when you know which started in the in the far east and then there was you know there were quite was spreading spreading and then there was one person traveled by uh, by plane and mm -hmm. went to another country in another continent and the thing spread there but it was contained thank goodness it was contained in uh, uh, just in one town but that was the time when uh, you know all the the the, the bells start ringing, mm -hmm. and say we are in a, on a planet which is frankly overcrowded. We know that we are a lot, a lot of people. But above all, what is different now is that people travel a lot, very easily. So it's very, very easy to spread things. This is why WHO said, okay, we have the international health regulations, which each country was invited to, uh, to support, you know, to subscribe. And those, those regulations, they are there to make sure that each country has systems to identify. Is this something strange coming in here? What is this person? You get somebody who arrives at an airport, is perfectly fine, and then, uh, you know, a couple of days later might have severe symptom of something. Mm. How am I sure that my lab is able to do something with that, son, with that person? And I'm collecting that information, and then I'm reporting back to WHO to alert the world that something is going wrong here. So that is all what is about the HR. The HR were tested further in 2014, 2015, 16 with the Ebola outbreak. A lot of work went into that. And mm -hmm. again, we were clear that we weren't, you know, we hadn't reached yet the point where we were safe. Mm -hmm. So some countries were quite fast to pick it up. Some other, you know, were struggling. 
And then now this SARS-CoV has been the further uh, evidence that each country has to be able to control the border, what is coming in, how do I collect information, how do I report. Mm -hmm. So hmm. I think the SARS-CoV has been really the wake-up call because, you know, maybe we had got a tiny bit complacent mm -hmm. because the first, uh, the first SARS was contained quite quickly. The Mexican flu wasn't the, the major disaster we were fearing at the beginning. Uh, Ebola, huge amount of deaths in West Africa, but didn't spread so much outside. Mm -hmm. COVID-19 is the one which has said, yes, we can diseases can spread very, mm. very quickly across the world. We need to be prepared. Right. Absolutely. Well, we do have um, a few questions. So Chantal is saying, I think this is, um, uh, yes, she says, no reason to test um, once positive. Why do we retest? You can be positive up to 90 days after COVID. So let's talk about this. Um, why some people, um, after testing initially positive, it seems to take quite a bit of time for the virus to, um, you know, come out of their system where they actually get a completely negative test. And, and what does that mean? Because we've seen, you know, the, um, the numbers adjust in terms of, okay, if your, if your, um, your actual numbers say X versus Y, what it used to be, we will now allow you to leave. Although technically you're still positive, we yeah. will allow you to no longer have to self-isolate. So explain that whole um, process to us a little bit more. Uh, why? What happens to certain individuals where they continue to test positive? Is it up to my? Have you heard of people testing positive up to ninety days? That seems quite a long time. Yeah, it, it can happen. It can happen. Yeah. So first of all, I think to to explain how tests works, um, we need to understand that there are two type of tests, uh -huh. which are the most common ones used used. So one is the lateral flow test. The other one is the PCR. Now, they do two quite different things, actually. So the lateral flow looks for the protein, one of the proteins of the virus. So to come up positive, that test, you have to have a certain amount of virus in your body. Okay? Mm -hmm. So uh, because the whole virus has to be there and in a certain amount. The PCR, on the other hand, looks at something quite different because it's looking at the genetic material, the core inside the virus. Mm -hmm. So it's much, it's more sensitive, it's about 10% more sensitive the LFT. And what it can do, it can pick tiny fragment of the RNA, so the genetic material of the virus, and he blows it up like he, you know, like when you take a picture and you blow it up and more and more and more. Yeah, and make uh -huh. the picture big. So that means that the PCR is sensitive enough 
to tell you that you are positive when you are very much at the beginning where maybe the LFT will still come up negative. Mm. The, the other coin, uh, sorry, the other phase of the coin, the flip side is that when you are going towards the end, that's what the, 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 your listener was referring to, you know, if you keep doing PCRs, they might be positive for 90 days. Mm-hmm. Because you might be one of those people who are not average, but they are there on your far side, on the right, and you take a bit longer to get rid of the virus. But it can also be that what the PCR is doing is picking up really tiny fragments mm-hmm. of the virus. And then, you know, it blows it up, it blows it up, and says, oh, it's positive. So what we tend to do then is um, uh, we are aware of that. Mm-hmm. And this is why uh, we we stick to the average and we say, somebody within seven days, you should be clear. Mm-hmm. Now, we still have at the moment in the current regulations that we get this clearance test. Yeah. And we tend to do it with the PCR because what we do there, we look at the CT values. The CT is cycle times. How many times I had to blow up that piece of the, of RNA to say I was this is positive. Okay, this is why the test might say because there are quite very strict standards for each type of PCR test, depending which manufacturer you use, they give you a very clear value for the city to say above that or below that actually mm-hmm. is positive. Yeah? But we use our public health uh, expertise to say, hang on, this person had 27 on the 1st of February, let's mm-hmm. say, city value. So that's quite low, which means there is a lot of virus there. Now, mm-hmm. I want to know where I am on the on the curve. Is this person coming out or is this person starting the disease? Yeah? Mm-hmm. So this is why you repeat it after seven days. And after seven days, if the value has gone up, then let's say you are uh, 32, 33, we know you are towards the end. Yes. Uh-huh. And this is why the test is still positive according to laboratory standard. Right. However, we know that you are coming off and we can release you. This uh-huh. is why we can use the PCR in that way. The alternative uh-huh. is rather than doing the uh, the PCR, you could not do a clear clearance test at all so you do the test at the beginning when mm. you do the, your LFT then to, to make sure that is positive and, and what sort of values you have etc etc you do your PCR and then you say okay I'm just looking now average uh, seven days I'll uh, you know most people will have cleared by then. Um, it's actually 10 days you should have as 
the proper proper average to be sure that mm. then somebody is still not infected. But if we want to reduce the isolation period, then we go down to the seven days, then I do have to have something there to tell me that mm -hmm. you are not able to transmit. Right. That's because otherwise, why have I put you in isolation in the first right. place? And then at the end, if you are one of those people who are a bit slower to get rid of the virus, mm -hmm. I'm releasing you and you're still spreading. So the, the whole concept of isolation has been defeated at that point. Is it? Mm -hmm. Or what we can do is rather than having one PCR at the end, we could try to have repeated lateral flow tests. And that's sooner every day. And as soon as I get to two negative, I can release them. Okay. Folks, I mean, I thought that was very um, a very good explanation because I think we get this question quite a bit. Why do we keep testing? And, you know, some people say do away with exit testing completely, but... Yeah. Um, if they got a chance, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you increase your risk. Yeah. So that's, that's what is our appetite for risk. Yeah. That's the question, really. Okay, wonderful. We do have um, another listener who says, um, good morning, Sandy, can you please ask this? I have, I had COVID on January the 24th and was released on the 6th with my threshold being 33.65. Mm -hmm. I want to travel on the 19th. Will my test still be positive? I was still positive when I was released. So right. yeah, okay. So for travel purposes, obviously, mm -hmm. make that varies on on the country, is it? Uh, but majority of countries now they require an LFT rather than a PCR. Right. So this city value will not come into uh, into uh, play, and basically. Uh, your LFT should be negative by then. If it comes positive, it may be that either, I mean, your values were going down, so obviously you were clearing the uh, the virus, and this is why the person was released. Mm -hmm. uh, but if an Edson, the LFT should come up negative, because the LFT is not going to pick up small amount of virus uh, you know, it's quite a bit there because right. he's, remember he's looking for the protein he's not looking for the rna yes so you have to have quite a bit of virus multiplying there for the lft to come up positive mm -hmm. um, obviously you could be one of these um, people who um I think I will stop here because otherwise I will confuse people. I think is is the the answer to to the question is your LFT should come up negative. Right. Okay. Very good. Thank you so much. Um, let me just pull up our other questions that we had here. So, um, someone, let's talk about children for just a little bit here. So someone says, after a child catches COVID um, in the age range 5 to 11, 
How long after that can they take the vaccine after recovery? So I know we had heard for adults, it was like two weeks after recovery, you should then see about getting the vaccine. Is it the same recommendation for children or? I think, I mean, I always stuck to the rule of the four weeks, not two weeks. Four weeks, okay. Uh, it's uh, 28 days. I, I do understand the rules are a bit variable. Um, from what I've seen, I think uh, CDC USA just says, oh, when symptoms have gone, you know, you can do the things, etc. Uh, I think in the UK, they, they have the, the four weeks rule uh, when you can receive the back. And the reason is very simple. Mm-hmm. Because if you have had the disease just now, uh, so your body is full of antibodies, or should yeah. be full of antibodies. And then I come and stimulate your uh, your uh, uh, immune system with an antigen. So I'm saying, here I am, vaccine, I'm, yeah. I'm the, the, the virus again, but yeah. it's obviously modified, etc. So what's happening is your body reacts quite uh, suddenly and quite... Uh, strongly. So you could have, you know, just your sore arm, but you can have, you know, temperature and so on. So to try to avoid that, this is why you want a bit of a gap so that when you give the vaccine for somebody who has had the, uh, the infection, um, you know, your reaction is not it's not as, uh, uh, no, as want to choose the right word there, you know, you're not going to feel um, poorly for uh, for a couple of days. That's what we're trying to avoid. Right. I understand now. Thank you so much for that. That's very good. Now, where are we with um, children being able to get the vaccine? Now, I know you had mentioned a few weeks back uh, during a media press conference, and I thought it was explained very well. And up until that point, I hadn't quite understood why the vaccine here was only being made available for children who were considered to be in a high risk category. Um, And you you fully explained that the reason for that is um, because of how the UK has approved the vaccine for children and um, not having the specific one designed and packaged with the right, um, you know, doses. And so yeah. on for children. Has that been? Has anything changed since you explained yeah. that a couple weeks ago? Yes. So things have changed now because uh, we should be receiving shortly the um, the vaccine, the specific doses, you know, for children, mm-hmm. um, and therefore we should be able to start the the vaccination campaign for all children between five and eleven. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And um, once that happens, uh, what do parents need to know about vaccinating children? Because obviously you'll find a lot of parents who are happy to get the vaccine themselves, but when it comes to their children, they're more hesitant to expose them to the vaccine. Have there been any um, concerns? I know myocarditis was a concern um, with young men in particular of a particular age group. Um, has there been any concerns thus far that the data has demonstrated as it relates to children who are being vaccinated? Okay, so um, the 
what the data have demonstrated. I'm not going to quote percentages here because I haven't got in my mind, so forgive yeah. me for that. But basically, those very uh, those effects of um, myocarditis and endocarditis, which were seen um, at the beginning, uh, you know, a few months ago when they started those those vaccination for younger groups, have been proven in the end to be fairly mild reactions and fairly rare. So mm -hmm. this outweighs then the, um, the, the risk from the virus itself. So what you do there, you balance the risk I could have this reaction, which, by the way, is easily treatable with anti-inflammatory. Mm -hmm. uh, so fairly common uh, drugs. To the risk that I can get, my child can get COVID. And remember, the COVID virus does multiply primarily in your respiratory tract, yeah, your mm -hmm. lungs. But in fact, it's able to attack all other organs in the body, including mm -hmm. the heart. So, including the brains, including everything, and it tends to cause clots, it can cause all sorts of havoc. So, at this point, yes, we still know that most of the children have a majority have a very, very mild disease, etc. But if I look at the statistic, if I just look at the numbers here in the Cayman. Mm -hmm. We have seen a number of children who have ended up in hospital with COVID. Now, it might be that the parents were very worried, the child with a very high temperature, you get quite panicky there and you want your child in hospital. But we have mm -hmm. had three out of 15 with very severe complications. And these were unvaccinated children, not because of their fault, it's because, you know, the vaccine was not available. So <coughs> as a parent... I, I, I am a mother of, of two children. I always had all my children always vaccinated with everything, basically. Right. Um, and I'm still very much supportive of vaccination. I wouldn't take the chance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the chance between uh, of, of my child being one of these very unfortunate children who mm -hmm. have ended up with severe complications is, you know, is unbearable to me. So why? I have an instrument that effective why I don't want to vaccinate my child. So mm -hmm. this is on a personal point of view, medical, personal. Then there is the population discussion. Mm -hmm. As a public health uh, and health protection specialist, I have to look at the whole population. So I have a disease which transmits through the air, which does is able to transmit when people have no symptoms. Mm -hmm. those, you know those couple of days, one, two days before your, uh, your um, start with proper symptoms, you are able to transmit. So what can I do there? If in my society I have vaccinated as much as I can, everybody from the age of 12 
upwards. Mm -hmm. But I still have all a segment of society which is not vaccinated. And those ones are the ones who go to school, go to the grandparents, go to the family, etc. They are a reservoir. So from an epidemiological population point of view, I have to tackle that reservoir. And to give you a very simple example, think of flu. Mm -hmm. Flu was killing lots of people, old people, every winter. So they start vaccinating first the 70 onwards. Then they went down to 65. I think now they are down to 60 onwards. But then what they did, some, and they, they give an injection there. But mm -hmm. then what they did, they realized that grandpa, grandma was getting the flu from the kids. The kids were going to school, the kids were coming back home and they were giving to the grandparents. Now, the kids don't die with flu. It would be extremely rare. But, and they are, yeah, a bit sick, you know, but it's not a big thing. So the question came, to protect those more vulnerable here, I need to do something with those kids. And what they do, they give the spray, the nasal spray for the kids to avoid them to be that reservoir which then spreads to the more vulnerable one. So that is the your position from population point of view. Mm -hmm. If I don't tack, tackle that reservoir, I still can make very effective control of the circulation of the virus. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And so then that also addresses um, the often heard question or more of a commentary, I suppose, when people say, why do the vaccinated worry about the unvaccinated? I mean, obviously everybody has a choice, but they say, well, don't worry about people who decide to get vac uh, who decide not to get vaccinated. But your point being that if you make a decision not to get vaccinated, you impact everyone including exactly. those who have opted to get vaccinated as well. Exactly. That's that's the thing, you know. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I really don't wish to go into the debate of vaccine, yeah. no vaccine, etc. The reality is this. We mm -hmm. all live on the same planet mm -hmm. um, and, um, and, there, and therefore uh, I think and I believe very strongly that we have a, a duty, not just towards ourselves and our decision, because I, I can understand, you know, I, I don't want to be vaccinated. Why on earth are you telling me I have to be vaccinated? Mm -hmm. But please think of people around you. So why those people who have tried their best, they, they have tried to be uh, safe for themselves, but also for the others, because this is a disease, as I said, that transmits through air. It doesn't transmit through blood, so to say. You know, think HIV, think even Ebola was the same thing. You could control it better because we knew it was through blood or through body fluid, mm -hmm. etc. You had to have that very close contact, your defense, mm -hmm. your skin had to be not integrated so that the 
the fluids of the person infected have to go into your body. Mm. This is air. With COVID, we are talking air. Right. I'm talking to you. I'm infected. I'm mm -hmm. going to infect you. Right. So it's not there a thought about yeah. what I'm doing to others then. Yeah. And that easy transmissibility, it's so interesting because, um, you know, when we were in 106 earlier, Aaron said, well, how did Prince Charles catch it again? And the point really is that it yeah. is that easy. Who knows, yeah. <laughs> you know, where he got it from, but it really is that easy. Well, so we do have a... Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> we do have a question here about fluctuating CT values that are going up and down. So say one day it's 23, then it goes up to 34, and then it goes back down again. What does that say about um, the infection in that particular person? Well, that's why you don't do PCR every single day. <laughs> so they try to, to avoid the, these things. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, there are fluctuations. This is why your your tests should be done at certain intervals rather than doing it, mm -hmm. um, you know, every, uh, you know, the more people get obsessed about, uh, let me do this PCR. Oh, mm -hmm. today, maybe today, the, tomorrow is different. Yeah. You know, the, the human body is not a machine. There is in, uh, in medicine one of the best uh, advice I said I had as a student was you're not dealing with a machine, you're not dealing with numbers. Two plus two will never be equal to four. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, this is why you should do your tests uh, at the recommended intervals and actually seek the advice of the public health people to interpret your results. Because otherwise you're going to get into a situation where it becomes really difficult to understand what is going on and so on. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, Courtney, thank you so much. Um, I think Courtney was waiting on the question for children. And uh, he says, do we have any sort of an idea of a date yet of when that um, children-specific vaccine might be rolled out and available on island. I know you said it's coming, but yes. we have a saying in the Caribbean, soon come, but that yes. can be a very long time. No, 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 no. Uh, um, that's, um, I'm a bit in a difficult position because I don't know whether the official date has been officially announced. Okay. That, that's all. So, uh, you know, maybe if I'm going to say, yes, it's coming. I know it's coming this week, basically, but uh, I can't tell you the official date. And yeah. then it's, we are working very, very hard to prepare the campaign, uh, which should, as soon as the vaccine arrives, then, you know, yeah. a few days and we can start. Okay. So, Jackie, I think that will answer your question as well. They are preparing to give all the campaign details, which will tell you the where, the when, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, the, the, the logistics are being uh, sorted out, yeah. Yeah. So um, Michelle says, I've had a very bad flu with the symptoms of COVID, but I've not tested positive on LFT. How long should I wait for my booster shot? So this is quite a good question because um, do you take the shot, even if it's like a flu that you have or a cold or something else where your um, yeah. immune system is already trying to fight something off? Or do you still wait that 28 
day period of time? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. So if you have had the flu, like any other disease, which is mm-hmm. not COVID, mm-hmm. you can have your COVID uh, injection as soon as you have cleared your symptoms. Mm. So basically, if I get flu, um, I'm not well for two, three days. Uh, then, you know, as soon as I don't have any more temperature, I don't have all the symptoms, like so on, I, I feel well enough, then you can get your, uh, your uh, COVID booster or doses, whatever you, uh, you have to have. There is no limitation. You don't go and get a vaccine, any vaccine, if you are feeling unwell mm-hmm. with an acute disease. Okay? As soon as you recover, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You can do it. Right. Okay, very good. So on um, Friday, some data was published by the uh, Center for Disease Control and Prevention that suggested the booster shot um, dropped significantly um, after four months. So the potency of the booster shot. So now we're looking at people asking, and this again, folks, is preliminary data. I'm happy to share, share the data link in the comment section if you care to go into more detail. But Um, This is preliminary research from Israel and Britain that has hinted that protection from booster shots does decline within uh, significantly within a four month period of time. So how many boosters are we realistically looking at? Like I know some of the drug companies, Pfizer and perhaps even Moderna has said that they're going to be going back to the drawing board a little bit and perhaps even tweaking the vaccine mm. to be, you know, almost more specific for the Omicron variant, which is obviously the most dominant variant now around the world. But is this the sort of thing where this, um, I know this is probably a bit of an unknown, but will this virus continue to mutate significantly? Are we going to continue to have to get boosters all the time? Will this become mm. like the flu shot where we're getting a COVID-related shot every single year, every couple of months? What do you think if you had to project what's happening here? Okay, so let me come a bit um, uh, a bit more in detail on the, uh, because you said first was the CDC, I, mm-hmm. I assume USA, and then yeah. you were quoting, uh, or they were quoting uh, data from Israel, data from the UK. Yeah. Now, Israel is a very very special case because yeah. Israel the 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 type of population they have is that pyramid is very skewed towards younger age, uh, right? So they don't have a lot a lot of elderly. Yeah. So you have to take their data with a pinch of not a pinch of so with cautions because your population will be very different from theirs. The other, uh, uh, the other issue with Israel is that they have a very, very strong lobby uh, amongst themselves, which is against vaccine. So they never managed to reach a real good, good coverage. The UK is very different because it's an, mm-hmm. a, 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 an European country with an aging population. Um, so again, that's very, very different. Now, I do uh, look every week at the um, UK HSA, uh, 
uh, health safety agents, which is the agents which has replaced PHE, and their uh, weekly um, uh, bulletin on, or report actually, on vaccine effectiveness. And what they are saying is that so far, and they look not just at the laboratory data, they then look at what the sort of things you were quoting, um, not just in the UK, but across the world, in terms of um, those are called the real uh, vaccine data, which comes from population studies. And as far as I, I can see, I've got the, the, the things under my nose here, um, it says that the effectiveness of the booster against Omicron is a bit too early to say, because there hasn't been enough time uh, from when the boosters have been given. You have to wait a bit longer to see it. As I say, Israel could be very different, but trying to export the information from Israel to apply it to all the rest of the world is a bit challenging. Let's put it in this way. So I don't, at this moment, I cannot say, according to the UK HSA, how long the protection against uh, the Omicron given by the booster will mm -hmm. last. Mm -hmm. Coming to that, there is a fundamental distinction that we have to make. Are we talking protection against severe infection and death or are we talking protection mm -hmm. against infection? Right. Two separate things. The first thing you want from a vaccine is that doesn't make you ending up in hospital or dying. Mm -hmm. right? And all the vaccines so far, even just with the two doses, they've proven very, very good at that. Mm -hmm. This is why if you look at data and what is going on in Europe, they have had huge infection with Omicron, but not many people going in hospital. Why? Because the vaccine has done what is written on the theme. Theme, sorry. I protect you against severe infection and death. Right? The infection is different because some of these variants, including the Omicron, they are really good at spreading. So I might be protected against ending up in hospital or dying, but I can still get infected. Maybe shorter time of infection, and during that time, I'm still able to transmit. So this is to be, you know, completely honest, but you have to look at the whole picture. Then coming to the question, are we going to have another booster and another booster and another booster? The hope is that we might get into a situation where we have to boost once a year and not the whole of the population, but certain, the most vulnerable ones. That's one scenario. The other scenario is that scientists are really looking and trying to, um, uh, you know, to get the vaccines, which is more and more effective. And I have a great faith because 
what the science has been able to do with the COVID has been just amazing. Mm -hmm. It would have been unthinkable in the past to have vaccine developed in such a short uh, time frame. So the shorter the long is to your question, we don't yet have the data to say how long the current booster is protective. Protective against what? Infection or severe disease and death um, against the Omicron. We don't have enough data at the moment to say that uh, in a more definitive way. Uh, the, there might be preliminary indications, but we have to see and, and wait a bit longer. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. We do have one viewer who um, discovered a bit of an anomaly in her personal situation. So she said that one day she tested um, twice for the LFT, which was um, negative. So I tested, no, sorry, I tested positive twice and one day with the LFT and then went and got a PCR test and it was negative. Uh, they're wondering how is that possible? So but twice in one day. Yeah. Sorry, said again. So yes. she tested, he or she, they, yes. they tested twice, one day, one with, with LFT. the LFT and one with the PCR. Yes, and, and I wonder, she didn't, she didn't specify if it was the same day with it. Let me just clarify with the PCR um, or if it was the following day, but she said that I tested positive twice in one day with the LFT and mm -hmm. then I went and got a PCR test. I'm assuming it's the same day and then it was negative. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, uh, the... With any type of test, PDs, LFT, or PCR, we look at not just sensitivity and specificity, but we then look also at the predictive positive value and predictive negative value. So basically, we know that no test is 100% sensitive, 100% uh, um, uh, positive predictive value or negative predictive value. And this is why we get then another test to try to confirm. So it is possible that you get false positives, as is possible that you get false negative. Mm -hmm. In this case, I will stick to the PCR result rather than the LFT, taking them as false positive. Which is possible to have a false positive. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. absolutely. They're not, okay. There is no test that is 100%. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So Mandy says infection, disease, bacteria, virus, what is it? Which one? <laughs> or just a bad cold? Or maybe a data? I don't really, or maybe just data. I'm not really sure what that question means, but um, it's a virus. <laughs> I think yes, we know that without a virus. Yes. Yes. Not a bacteria. It's a virus. Yes. So Jamelia says, um, oh, in terms of appointments. Um, so yeah, I think more information, Jackie, for children will be forthcoming once that campaign is actually launched. Um, so we do have some another question that says, um, 
whether Cayman will move towards an online COVID testing video observation service. So I think there was a little bit of confusion as it relates to this, because I do know that the tourism minister mentioned it during the last press conference. I had a lot of people um, sort of, you know, referring to that because they thought when he mentioned it, that he meant it was something that could be utilized here in the Cayman Islands, when in fact, it is something that in the US they're using. So will we ever move to this protocol? I mean, I'm not terribly familiar with how exactly it works, but I'm mm -hmm. guessing you lateral flow test by video and someone makes the observation and that's good enough. Is that what that is? Um I, I don't know what they do in the USA. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not familiar. I can tell you what we, in, at some point, was going on in the UK. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, basically, what you were doing, um, this was very much when you were uh, traveling back to the UK and you had to do day two tests uh, mm. and then day five tests. So you were contacting one of the companies listed on the website of the government. They were and, and you were asking and paying for a day to a day five test. The tests were arriving by post. And what you with some of them, what you could do, you were following the instruction, do the test, then you were taking a picture of the results. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the little plastic things where the test is, which had, however, the barcode. Mm -hmm. And you were then uploading that picture online on the website to say, uh, as, a, as a proof that this was uh, negative or positive, whatever it was. So, uh, so it wasn't somebody observing you, but it was you uh, doing that test, that specific test with that barcode and so on. And that was considered, um, um, you know, good enough to, uh, uh, to say. Now, I am not so sure whether they're still doing it. Um, it is a matter of, again, it's a matter of trust and... Uh, um, you know how you how you want to do it, etc. I think um, what we are hoping is that we will have to do uh, less testing going ahead, mm -hmm. and so this is why at the moment in the Cayman we're still sticking to the certified LFT. Because, you know, at all, with all the good intention and all the good things, uh, you might not doing it completely right. You know, some people don't put the, the, the swap um, deep enough. Uh, some people might put it too deep and they might start bleeding. So, it, you know, it's, it's how, um, how good is that test? Um, the execution of that test. And this is one there are so many variables. At that point, you start thinking, well, is it worthwhile doing it? If mm -hmm. maybe I'm looking now towards less and less testing. 
Very good. All right, so let's do a final question then of the day. Um, we have an individual who wants to know whether or not the Cayman Islands will be moving towards um, dropping or the abandonment of COVID-19 protocols. So they've made mention, for example, to Denmark, I guess, doing this as well yeah. as the UK. Um, yeah. The UK seems to ab abandon everything, no mask, no, you know, nothing, just free for all. Uh, what's, what's your yeah. position? <laughs> what's your okay. position on this? I think people will uh, uh, probably understand um, whether here in Cayman we're trying to be a bit, uh, uh, you know, to be cautious, to be cautious. But we obviously uh, we have to move forward. So mm -hmm. we are definitely looking at reviewing, uh, at reviewing the regulations. Um, so with uh, the aim being uh, trying to get to a less, less, less regulations. We're not going to jump straight into the uh, UK, no, the UK is not, not even the UK, England model or, um, and, and so on. You know, I think it's still, it would be a bit more gradual but definitely we are moving towards uh, reducing the regulations, yes. Mm. And hopefully one day we will not have regulations. We can all say, yes, we can, uh, we can uh, uh, you know, look at it like and really start understanding how to live with this, with this infection and so on. That will depend very much on our vaccinations, how robust we are, you know, how well protect we are against uh, severe disease and death. I think we can all agree that we don't want to see people in hospital. We don't want to see people dying. Mm -hmm. Neither we want people to have sequelae from, uh, you know, long-term consequences from COVID, mm -hmm. which is another thing that can happen. Uh, it is interesting because just yesterday, uh, while the uh, England was all, oh, you know, let's not test anybody, uh, let's um, get away with the masks and blah, blah, blah. And then the uh, chief medical advisor has come up saying, listen, there could be another variant here and that might be even more severe. So we need to be prepared. Mm -hmm. Um Yes, we are working towards um, lifting uh, restrictions and so on, um, maybe in a, in a slightly more gradual fashion, but it's happening, so you will hear pretty soon. But at, on the other hand, and I go back to what I was saying at the beginning, our strength in identifying something lasting arrive, mm -hmm. arriving and responding to that. That has to be there. Right. And uh, one final question. I know I said that was going to be the final question, but someone did mention whatever happened to the flu? Has it been replaced by COVID? Because normally around this time, people get the colder flu. And now even if you have the colder flu, you come back positive with COVID as well. So I guess it's, pos it's possible to have the flu and COVID at the same time. <laughs> Two different yes. uh, I mean, uh, um, it, certainly flu is already circulating and we can see it, you know, some people say, oh, 
one yeah. of your uh, um, uh, listeners said before about the flu symptoms have tested negative for COVID mm-hmm. because the virus is there. Now, flu is there, has come mm-hmm. back this week. It was very, very mild um, during the first year of the pandemic. But there was a reason for that, because people were in lockdown. Mm-hmm. So people were not going to school, were not going to work, were not. And this is why there was very little flu around. And then the second year, you know, lockdown has gone up and down. You have had periods mm-hmm. where um, the lockdown has been lifted, another spike of COVID, and then, you know, uh, and so on. So this is now, uh, this year, flu is circulating. Uh, usually, you get one disease and then another. Sometimes you can get them together, some virus, they can live together. I don't know at the same time in the same individual. I don't know whether there is any evidence, I haven't read about it, of evidence of co-infection. That's what we call the co-infection with two uh, these two virus. Uh, so I'm, I, I won't be able to say anything about that. But what I can say is that the, the flu virus is circulating this year in the community mm-hmm. alongside yes okay all right wonderful well thank you so much um dr newton for joining us on the cohort truth it's been very enlightening and we've had a great audience i've been monitoring the numbers to over 200 people uh consistently have been tuned in and listening um to the wealth of information that you've offered us here this morning so i think some people got their very specific questions answered so i hope that that was useful to them um any idea how much longer you might be with us i guess we might all be wondering yeah that's i I really don't have the 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 crystal ball (laughs) to answer this question i really don't have the crystal okay it's it's so much of a guess that right well you've got an open invitation um anytime to come on the program if there's anything developing that you wish to uh, convey to the people of the cayman islands we are the number one show in the morning <laughs> so we we appreciate that so um again uh, thank you very much uh, dr newton and have a wonderful day and a wonderful week thank you to you and wonderful day to you and to your audience thank you for participating and for having me there okay thank you, thank you. all right folks so we've pulled her out of the studio thank you so much um right so we've got all sorts of madness this morning it is Valentine's Day. Where is the love? My gosh, I'm looking at some of the stuff that I'm receiving and I'm wondering uh, what is the deal here. So let's talk about some of the madness. We've just got an announcement. In case you didn't notice, I put it up as a scroll on the um, screen because I did not want to interrupt um, Dr. Newton this morning for this madness. But Madness Laval is back. Uh, what the heck is going on here? Is this a situation where you know, she is upset about not having a Valentine. Could we not get together and give her Valentine's Day present? Well, give me a quick second to gather this video for you guys. Um, we'll we'll take a, oh my gosh, this is just crazy. We'll take a little minute here um, to perhaps switch gears, reminding you that it is Monday. So we'll do the Monday Rewind show, but It's almost like we're just rewinding from five minutes ago because we're going to talk about what's going on right now.
for Monday Rewind. <laughs> the Cold Car Troops Monday Rewind show recaps the weekend's news and events so you don't miss a beat. Don't miss out. All the weekend's source, news, gossip, and well, it wouldn't be a weekend recap show without traffic accidents, too. <laughs> Cayman Marl Road is Cayman's number one news source and has the island's hottest morning talk show. It's the hottest. Make sure you don't miss a beat with Monday Rewind. Rewind. Tune in every Monday from 7.30 a.m. on both YouTube and Facebook. Welcome to Monday Rewind. And like I said, we are literally um, going to rewind to uh, just a few minutes ago. This is happening right now on the Linford Pearson bypass. So you guys know that Lavelle had moved um, to the Royal Bank area and uh, she's been out there setting up her signs and the like. And it seems like she was not getting enough uh, attention. Um, so, you know, she's up the ante a little bit. She seems to know exactly what to do to get us all talking about her. Eh, it's a hot mess, but here we go. This is, I've got some video footage of what she's doing this morning. Um, I think it might be a little bit, looks like it might be in the side. Uh, let me see here. Let me see. All right, here we go, folks. Let's watch that one more time. I don't want y'all to miss miss it. I mean, look at this obstruction of a public roadway.
Okay, um, what are we making of this situation? It's a hot mess. Um, we can see that Lavelle is pulling debris into public roadway. This is certainly not the first time that uh, she has done this. She's done it before. Remember last time she had, um, she had rocks and tree limbs. She just pulled stuff out of the bushes there on the Linford Pearson. She lives in the area. So I guess she does whatever is closest to her um, in terms of accessing, you know, material. It's not like she goes and gets her trucks and, and trucks it in. She'll just pull it from the adjoining area, which by the way, anybody else wondering how much debris we have off of the Linford Pearson that she has so much stuff to pull from? Maybe y'all need to clean up the LPH. Uh, that might be a good thing. But yes, here we are again uh, with Lavelle causing an obstruction. Morning traffic is now being impacted by this. I mean, you could understand, um, you know, how commuters this morning are very, very annoyed by this. I've had a number of them uh, send me messages already about the situation. Not only is their commute now being potentially delayed, if heaven forbid you had to be in court on time this morning or you had an appointment somewhere else that you were trying to get to. But in addition to that, she's putting debris in the road that could potentially puncture your tires and cause you know other sorts of damage. Now, someone just made a very, very interesting point. The police always seem to be handling Lavelle with kitty gloves. And I think it's because she has already made the allegations, whether true or not, that she is somehow being targeted um, by uh, various physicians on island and by the authorities. And so they continue to treat her with kitty gloves because, um, because uh, you know, they obviously don't want to play into this perception, which some of you apparently are willing to buy into, that the police are somehow doing something to Laval or that the authorities are doing something to Laval. It's very, very unfortunate. So I think they continue to, to handle her very, very gently, which I doubt that most of us would be given um, such a courtesy. So <laughs> it is beyond interesting that this is what she does. And by and large is getting away with it. So someone says, why is she not in the back of the police car while he cleans the road? Put the sil silver bracelet on her and jail her. People are really getting sick of Lavelle. I'm telling you, folks, this is uh, just one of those things where, unfortunately, she might think she's gaining sympathy with her actions, but the more she acts out, the more people are getting sick and tired of her and really, really fed up with the shenanigans. So I do think she's doing herself more harm than good at this point. Because even people who are like, well, maybe, La maybe Laval has a point. Maybe she's protesting, like there really is something wrong. I think a lot of you are beginning to really wonder now, what's wrong here is that the authorities continue to treat her with kitty gloves. And, um, you know, this is just, it's its ridiculous now. It's getting to the point where it's like, why are we continuing to be subjected to this sort of thing? This is a public roadway, right? Nobody else could go out there and do this without you getting probably thrown down to the ground, put in handcuffs and dragged off kicking and screaming. But Laval continues to, to do this and it's just ridiculous. Um, Richard, it's the Linford Pearson bypass. Like I said, she lives in the Randike area. 
courtesy of the NEU, uh, since she doesn't work, you know, uh, the people are paying for the courtesy of having her um, housed. And this is the treatment that we get in return. We, we, you're welcome. Happy Valentine's Day, Gabby. Um, Jacette, thank you for joining the program. Miss Marva says, good morning, Sandy and all of Cayman. We need to understand Lavelle's not mad, sick, but seeks attention. Time someone gave her seasoned assing. <laughs> well, I think I have said this before, and the more I make observations about Lavelle, the more I believe it. I think that Lavelle has... Um, what clinically would be a personality disorder. In other words, she's a narcissist, she's suffering from narcissistic personality disorder, or maybe even some sort of um, psychotic personality disorder. But it's not, it's not, you know, I don't know what else it's coupled with. It could very well be coupled with uh, schizophrenia and other things as well. But I think her biggest problem is she's actually just a narcissist. And I know we kind of tend to want to overuse that word in this day and age, but that has a very sort of clinical uh, definition. And if you go and look it up, especially the attention seeking part, we really can get some insight um, into what's going on with Lavelle. Um, Damien says, why are we giving her now? I think a word is missing there. Guess the entire police force is there, lock her up and move on. That's just the thing is they, they don't seem to want to lock her up. And when they do lock her up, um, it is very, very short-lived. So El Ray said, WTH, the officer's moving it and she's putting it right back in the road. Yeah, I mean, this is just, oh my God. Um, it's it's just ridiculous now. This is, listen, my, my patience uh, with Lavelle and this whole situation has literally been exhausted. Um, if I were the police, she would be in police custody. But of course- She's got Cayman's number one defense attorney available to her, which we were also paying for, by the way. Big shout out to Amelia. I got to show some love to Amelia. But if they don't do it right, and I don't blame Amelia, I mean, if you're going to arrest her, you got to make sure you know the law and you're arresting her under what section. It's like they don't know what to do with Lavelle. That seems to me like they're just all sitting there scratching their heads collectively, um, both from a legal perspective and a non-legal perspective. They've never seen someone like Lavelle before, so they just don't know what to do. Somebody else was asking, why have we not stripped her of her um, Cayman status, which was given to her back in 2013? She was one of those fortunate people that got it through cabinet at the time. No checks and balances, nothing. And now she's become a real pariah on the people of the Cayman Islands. So why not strip that from her and send her away? I mean, it's a question that I myself have asked on more than one occasion because people who've done far less have been stripped of uh, their rights to remain in this country. And then people are going to argue in her behalf, I guess, while she hasn't committed a crime. Is this not a crime now? At what, at what point does it become a crime? At what point does, you know, throwing debris in the road, is, which is a crime for everybody else, um, become a crime for Lavelle? It's just absolutely crazy. I don't know. Mm -mm. Melinda says she needs a man with a God blessing manhood to calm her down. Listen, uh, you know, we've joked about this before, but in all seriousness, um, there's probably no man in the world who's going to tolerate that for long without losing his cool. So let's not wish that kind of crazy in any man. What she needs is professional help. And if she's not willing to get professional help and we are not, uh, we being the authorities are not able to force her to get the help that she needs then, you know, some, something's got to give here. This is just, mm -mm, this is ridiculous. 
Uh, yes, Jamelia, she does live in the area. So she walks, many of you may have, may have even when she takes her signage to um, whether she was protesting by government building or by uh, more recently by the Royal Bank building, she packs up her little bag for the day, packs up her change of clothes. And uh, well, she actually wears the clothes underneath that those long dresses. So those, those Batty Rider shorts that she wears every single day to protest, um, she tends to put those underneath and then she strips, strips off the exterior dress. So um, yes, she is um, back at it again in a big way this morning. Irvlin says she needs to be locked up again. They didn't keep her for very long, so I'm not sure it was all that useful. Um, Marva says, why is there only one officer dealing with the situation? For him, he's obviously, let's watch the video again, because he's really not making much headway, because as he's dragging it, she's dragging it. So um, there he is trying to have some sort of conversation with her towards the end of the video. But yes, as he was dragging stuff out, she was going around him and dragging it back in the road. This has got to stop, folks. This is this is a different level of craziness. Um, the Ugly Truth says perhaps he should take off the gloves and arrest her and then deal with the stuff in the road. Mm-mm. Um, Cindy says she never lied when she said she was untouched because boy, if she do get touched, she won't be act she wouldn't be acting like this. Well, <laughs> yes, I don't know if being sanctified, if that's what it's all about, folks. Um, because it doesn't normally affect most people like this. Uh Binks is agreeing that maybe she does need a proper assing. Um, of course we can't. <laughs> We can't uh, advocate that, but Howard says, lock her up, paradise. <sighs> I don't know. Um, Sue says, so bad now, and only one police guy to try and stop her. Well, hopefully he's called for reinforcement because that wasn't really working all that well. Mm -mm -mm. Uh, Sandra says, I wonder what some people are saying now, uh, if they still find her exciting and entertaining. This is despicable to say the least. Uh, Marva says this behavior is not hilarious at 8.30 in the morning and when people are trying to get to work. Only Cayman and other islands, she'd be picked up and thrown across the road herself. Um, I, I've said it before, even in her home country of Jamaica, the response to her would not quite be the same. You know, last week, did you guys see the video? I saw this video of this woman who was obviously not in her right mind that was walking around, um, naked 
Um, and then she got like on the back of a truck with a guy, a work, a workman. And he was just like, what the heck? And somebody said, uh, this individual is giving Lavelle a run for her money in terms of, you know, being so incredibly, um, eye catching. And so, um, it's crazy. Cameron wants to know why isn't there an official statement from the RCAPS and the authorities regarding this woman? What are they going to say? I don't want a statement from them. I want them to do something. Uh, you know, I want them to arrest her, put her, just that says, put her in a mental institution. She needs help. Well, if she needs help, nobody seems capable of giving her the help that she needs. One of the reasons for that, uh, Josette, is that she claims when people try to help her that they're actually harming her. And unfortunately, in the, um, you know, court of public opinion, some of you all have bought into this foolishness about um, that, oh, you know, someone has tried to harm her. Well, you know, if, if, if Dr. Lockhart has said she's bipolar, schizophrenic, or whatever his diagnosis is, and she needs to take her medication, and then she claims that, oh, he's trying to kill me with this diagnosis, which is what she's personally told me. So that's not coming from any hearsay. She told me that herself uh, one day when I accidentally picked her up, didn't realize who she was. I never made that mistake again. Um, so, you know... <laughs> she was going on and on and on and on about how Dr. Lockhart tried to kill her. And I'm like, well, what, how did he try to kill you? What did he do? Oh, he diagnosed me with this mental health and that's going to impact my children and their children. I'm like, girl, your actions is what's impacting your family, not a diagnosis, right? If you were diagnosed with this and you just get some help, you might be okay. But it's what you do every single day that impacts not just your family, but the rest of us. You were tormenting us. Robert says, get the old cow, cow, the old cow. Did you meant to say good old cow? Oh, I thought you were saying to get the cow caught out. Okay, never mind. Mm -hmm. Moya says, listen, we've shipped off two prisoners. Uh, can't we use that same law to ship her off to a mental facility? Uh, not just prisoners, but we actually have sent people to Jamaica for mental health reasons. Remember the little guy that used to be in town? They even went as far as getting him a passport, getting his passport sorted out. So I think that somebody needs to section 13 or whatever the name is, her, and force her to get help. And I I say remove her from the Cayman Islands to get it because, you know, if she already has an issue with our healthcare professionals that are here, the, the likes of Dr. Lockhart and so on, then don't force her to go to those people because I think it will only make her worse when she comes out of care. Send her overseas and um, maybe they can offer her some better expert assistance. Cameron says that she's setting a precedent for when the government, when the rest of Cayman ready to carry on, we're going to refer to her situation when we want to protest. Trump, please. Nobody in their right mind is going to be protesting in the way in which she does. So just that says uh, she needs deliverance. It's an evil spirit, not the person that we all see her to be. She needs help. Can someone with the spirit of God help her? Um, the let, well, I mean, you can go out there and pray, but I'm telling you, she will counter your prayers with um, some ceremonial cursing out of you. Although she claims that she's a Christian. Remember when she was claiming that Pastor McLaughlin had um, threatened her or something like that? Apparently what he said, said to her is that she, um, he was rebuking her or something like that. 
in the name of the good Lord. And she said that that was a threat. This woman not playing with a full deck. I don't care what anybody says. But does that mean that she's not responsible for her actions and should not be held accountable? No, I think she has, um, as John says, become a public nuisance and she needs to be dealt with. I mean, I can see why the political arm is, is trying to leave it up to the authorities because somehow that is their job. But um, I don't know. It's crazy. Don is of the opinion that there's nothing wrong with this woman. Uh, the older gentleman, but she was married to was my former supervisor back in the 90s. Oh, wow. This man used to treat her like a queen when he couldn't have, when she couldn't have her way with him and get what she wanted. She used to carry on like this from way back then. And she's just spoiled and thinks that she's entitled, that she's special compared to the rest of the world and apartment uh, is she lives in or was living in. Um, it's been there since the night is so it's been there since the night is so, I don't know what the rest of the message says, but this is interesting. Because essentially um, what Dawn is saying here is that uh, what I think exactly is going on, she has this narcissistic personality disorder and she's probably always had it and has always manifested it in some way or another. John says, give her a spliff or, of whatever is legal. Mm -mm. Um, Courtney wants to know, is the government allowed to send her to Jamaica? Well, I don't know. I don't honestly know. I mean, that's where she's from. And I know that we send a lot of people there, Well, not a lot, but you know, we send some of our mental health cases there, um, to get some, some professional assistance just because of the close proximity, I think. And maybe with like visa requirements and whatever, it'd be easier to send her there anyway, because she is a Jamaican national. Jonathan says she needs me in Canada if she wants to protest making reference to the protesters, which by the way, legally they've been told to stop. Um, they now have court orders to stop their protesting. Uh, no Caymanian ties, Courtney, but in 2003, she was granted Caymanian status with that whole bunch of people who were granted Caymanian status um, as part of that cabinet, the one that really upset a lot of people because uh, there was no checks and balances. There was nothing. Cabinet just started giving it away. And it was a complete frenzy. And a lot of people just showed up and they were like, oh, I was told to come and get my status papers. And cabinet just signed off on it. Jonathan says, whatever pills they're giving her, it isn't working. Um, mm, mm, mm. Oh, the rest of the comment from Dawn said, oh, thank you someone for saying this. Um, she said, whatever what the apartment is, she lives in, or she was living in, she's been there since that, since the night is so far as I know, um, I think who owns it, there's nothing wrong with this person. She just likes to be put up on a pedestal, but most people know who she is now. Mm -mm -mm. What a hot mess. Um, Okay, someone else in WhatsApp said she needs to be arrested and locked up without bail. Ugh, what a hot mess. Well, listen, folks, 
She's not the only crazy person this morning. It's so hard to believe, but I guess today is February the 14th. There's just something about February 14th. Are we dealing with a, um, are we dealing with a full moon or something going on today? Because guess who else is at it? I mean, th this needs to be a trivia question. By the way, I got my Burger King Popeye gift certificates. Let's give these away before they expire. Who would like a Popeye's or Burger King gift certificate? March 31st, they expire. So let's give these out. Who can guess? Trivia question of the morning. Who can guess? Um, who else is acting crazy today on this beautiful day in February the 14th? Who else has gone crazy? Any guesses? Let me see. Um, they look like a crazy person. Good morning, Bob. Um, Courtney says, I believe she's wasting too much of her police time and effort. Well, definitely. Uh, they definitely have more important things to do, but they can't allow her to obstruct the roadway. So what are they going to do? So um, Dr. Frank is a good guess. Very good guess. But um, <laughs> someone else said Dr. Frank. Oh, my God. The fact that you guys would be... Um, the fact that you guys would be guessing this, another person says Frank Mattfield as well. Oh, you guys are too shady. Oh my God, that is so funny. It's not Dr. Frank, but he should get an honorable mention because did y'all see Dr. Frank's video the other day that he put out where he's acting like he is, all y'all all y'all get, uh, Putin, Putin says Courtney. Um, no, this is a local Katina. Some pretty good guesses. Um, no, we're talking about Lavelle already. Come on now. Come on now. Y'all got to do better. Um, but I don't blame you for guessing some of these people. Dr. Frank did a video the other day where he was cursing everybody out. Um, somebody took the time because I don't tend to watch his stuff. Right. But, um, someone took the time to do a synopsis for me of what he was going on about. And this is what they, what they sent me. Let me see if I can find it. I need to scroll back up. Cause I think he must've posted this like on Friday or something. So um, this is what he's, oh, hold on, that's not it, Friday. So he was going on and on like a, like a crazy man for real. And he said that, um, this is what somebody sent me. They said, he, he, this is what he said. He's famous. People are conspiring against him. He wants the UK to step in. He's famous. Narcissist, I tell you, they're all over the freaking place. Um, he wants to lead prison and clean it up. He says Sandy Hill gets protection from the police, from the government, and works for Panton. Poor him. He's so he's so stupid. I mean, honestly. That's my cousin, and he's supposed to have a PhD. But at this point, I need to see some real credentials because he has lost the plot. Um, and then it says at 12:30 in, he mentions you. You know, I was just laughing like this dude is crazy. Oh my God, he just he just said. He just said at 1800, I'm not dirty. The only thing I like, oh yeah, I'm going to show you guys the video clip for that because that was circulating. Um, Chris and Kenneth don't want to give him a job because they're instructed not to. This is what he says. He mentions Clyde Allen, the attorney, several times. He says he's corrupt. He says they ruined his relationship with his son, Joshua, poor him, um, and about how they betrayed him, being Chris and Kenneth. And that black people don't come to Cayman because it's a racist place. And he's slamming Chris and Kenneth. And he says that they need to get Sandra Crichton or Catron or whatever her name is back to back off. And the police are coming to shoot him. 
Well, um, and then, oh yes. And he starts defending Laval. This is a continuation of the notes. Go figure. Crazy knows crazy. He starts defending Laval, saying people shouldn't be laughing at her and people should listen to her. Yes, Dr. Frank, I think you need to join her out there because you're both uh, batshit crazy at this point. He's talking about a book he's releasing, an MLK anniversary and promoting it now. He keeps mentioning something um, about some Johnsons being mistreated. I don't know who the Johnsons are. Not sure what that's about, this person says. He's calling for people to share his video because he's better than Mall Road. <laughs> what is wrong with him? And they said, okay, that's it. What a mess. So that was a synopsis. Thank you to the person who sent that to me. Um, somebody says Mario or Quincy. Nope, that's not who I'm talking about this morning. You guys need to put on your thinking hat. George Ebanks, uh, another good honorable mention, but we're not talking about George. So yeah, Dr. Frank has lost the plot. I don't know what's wrong with him. You know, but it goes to show you that intelligence and other issues, um, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. So in other words, you can be a very intelligent person and still exhibit narcissism. You can still be batshit crazy in common terms, or you could have some clinical diagnosis. Like, I don't know clinically if uh, there is anything wrong with Dr. Frank, but I can tell you that when I looked at his rants and so on, I see a man who, who needs therapy. Remember last week we were talking about therapy? He needs therapy. He needs to go see a therapist to talk about these things. And instead of getting on social media. So let me guys, let me update you on one of the reasons why he started posting um, about me and then probably did this video is because, um, you know, he has a criminal complaint against him that the police are trying to get to the bottom of in terms of all of the um, slanderous and false things that he posts on me, which he to this day, he has kept up on his social media page and he's purposely pinned it to the top of the page so that everyone who goes to his page, that's the first thing that you see. So I'm thinking to myself, if I can get convicted for telling the truth about the likes of Matthew Leslie, certainly um, what Dr. Frank has done last year has really stepped over the bounds. So I'm pursuing two angles. I'm pursuing a civil angle and a criminal angle. So on Friday, the investigating officer who was going on holiday, um, had contacted Dr. Frank yet again to say, we need you to come in for an interview. And he uh, has a right, I guess, to refuse to come into an interview. He has said that he doesn't believe this to be a true investigation. He probably thinks that the cop is fake. He, he says all this really ridiculous and stupid stuff because he's ridiculous and stupid, to be quite frank, right? So he just keeps going on and on and on. So the police officer said, okay, in lieu of him giving, because he thinks that he can stop the pro process if he doesn't participate. Well, that's not how it works. So they're going to go ahead and send the file to the um, legal department for a ruling in any event, and they will make their ruling, and I will continue to pursue the civil case as well, right? So um, with, with that said, they must have said that to him. So then he jumps on social media, and he starts lying about how... Um, He's been told not to post anything on social media and he's having heart trouble and he's tied up. He's connected to monitor and all this kind of stuff. And I thought to myself, you know, for someone who claims that he's so um, stressed out and he's connected to monitor and all this other stuff, he really is demonstrating um, some true narcissistic qualities. Well, woe is me. It's always about woe is me. Nobody wants to give me a job. Well, Nobody gave me a job. Nobody gave you a job. It's called, if you see a job or you think you can do a job, you apply for it. This concept of people giving people handouts, especially in the political arena, 
Um, I hope to God those days are far gone. He has, he has this government confused, must be with the previous government. I don't know. But wait a minute, the previous government didn't give him anything either. So I don't know who he's confused with. But nobody hands you, the last handout he got was that stint at UCCI where he had this contract where he was supposed to be writing a book and writing material for them. And none of that ever materialized, but yet he was getting a monthly stipend. Dr. Roy, I guess, felt sorry for him, Dr. Roy Bodden. We can't continue to feel sorry for people just because, I don't even know why, because they're Caymanians. If you want a job, apply for the job. Don't sit here lambasting the politicians because they don't hire people. They don't hire people in civil service. He wants to run the prison. So y'all still haven't guessed who I'm talking about yet for your gift certificates. So keep guessing, but look, have a look at this video about wanting to run the prison. I was trained to do this. I know things, I don't talk things. But when people start beating up on me and beating up on me and beating up on me, then my interest changes because I have to defend myself. I have to come clean and say, it's not me, I'm not dirty. The only thing I might like is to drink once in a while and a little ganja once in a while, a woman most won't be too often. But that's my heritage and I can't fight against it. But I don't go beyond those things. Ganja is your heritage. Uh, womanizing is your heritage. And you want to run the prison? What kind of foolishness did I just hear in that video? Seriously? You want to run the prison, but you said they're talking about, oh, you, you, you got, you're going to be smoking ganja. How are you going to run the prison with the prisoners? You're going to sit down and have a spliff with them? A kumbaya moment? Let's all sit down and smoke pot. And then, um, you know, try to maybe womanize with the, the female staff that are there. I, I can't even entertain. There are just some days, folks, that my brain cannot entertain stupid. Honest to God. But there's a lot of it happening this morning. Any any fresh guesses on who we're going to highlight next? Oh, somebody said the um, marriage of convenience. Well, that's a whole other situation. Um, Jamelia says... Woman and supposed to be married, child, honey, please. We talk about marriages of convenience here all the time in this program. We're going to talk about one here in a second. There's a lot of marriages of convenience. Some of y'all marry a man thinking that he had something to offer you. Little did you know he had nothing, not even the pot to piss in. And um, so when he's out there womanizing, I guess you shouldn't really be surprised because you didn't get in it for the love to begin with. The love of what you thought he was going to offer. Oh, he told you he was going to win an election and you were going to be the queen bee of prospect or something. Well, mm -mm, that never happened. Child, I'm not drunk, but this, the stupidity makes me feel like I'm getting drunk when I start talking about it. Um, Jonathan says that doesn't sound like a bad idea to put him in charge of the prison. Lord have mercy. No, sir. Mm -mm. Damien says I'm putting that one on my resume. Which one is that? The one about the womanizing or, um, or the smoke and the ganja? Which one are you going to put on your resume? <laughs> Marshall says, what a prison that would be if he had to run it. You see, this is why people can't take y'all seriously. Okay. Um, honestly, how can you in the same breath 
talk about, you know, you want to be running a pen running the penal system because you are the most qualified to do so. And then two seconds later in your video, you're talking about how you yourself are breaking the law. And that's all. Oh, I do a little bit of womanizing. I smoke a little bit of pot. I, do, shoot, I shoot myself in the foot, literally and figuratively. Jeez, some peace. What is wrong with you people? Oh, all right. Since y'all can't guess who it is this morning, let me pull up the video of this other nutcase that is causing havoc in the lives of people. Here we go. Any final guesses? Think West Bay. He's in West Bay. Think West Bay. You guys have to be able to guess this. Cha, I got all these gift certificates we need to be giving away. Um. Oh, crud. Are you kidding me? Uh, yes, Marshall, you're close. Sure, Rainbow, you know who it is. Say it. Just say it. No, it's not McKeever, but Mario, no. Who the hell's Mario? Which Mario in West Bay? No, Marshall. Marshall, get the full name. Quite close. It's not Mendoza. It's Mendoza. This jackass of the day is at it again. For the last couple of days, he has been tormenting the Adams family again. Oh my God. What is wrong with this man? Police, you need to step in once again. He ain't doing your jobs. So this is um, Wilson Mendoza, him and his wife. I mean, the, the, the comments from the judge last time was get some mediation, stop this foolishness. And you know what I find interesting about them is they're going to sit there and be like, oh, yes, your honor. Yes, your honor. They want to seem all prim and proper. But when I tell you that these people are duplicitous, I was sitting there thinking to myself, I wonder if Magistrate McFarlane is being fooled by the shenanigans that these people are going on with. In court, we're, we're the victims. We're the victims here. Oh, the Adams family, they flipped my hat. You should send them to jail for this. We're the victims. Oh, yes, your honor. Oh, yes, mediation sounds like a good idea. These people know how to get under your skin like a bot fly. You know what those bot flies are? They're the ones that burrow into your skin, lay their nasty eggs, and then all of a sudden you have this thing growing on you and you don't even know what the hell it is. It's a parasite. They need a host. And that's what these people do. The wife is in the background egging him on and he's in the foreground doing this. Let me guys show you the proof in the pudding.
uh, folks, this is absolutely ridiculous. This man has been permitted and he continues to do so. Um, despite the last court hearing, this is what he's out there now doing. The, the judge said, I need you guys to keep the peace. This man is not keeping the peace. He is purposely out there agitating this family. So he had put up, I think he had first put up some fence or something. And then they made him take that down. So then he got pissed off and he starts putting up um, these boulders yet again. Yo, let me just be very, very frank here, right? This man has too much time on his hands. This seems to be a common thread between all of all of the crazies. Like you don't have enough things to keep your, your hands busy. The devil's playground, right? Dr. Frank ain't got no job or nothing else to do. At Lavelle, clearly nothing to do. Mendoza, clearly nothing to do. You want to walk around lifting um, boulders like your Hercules? Dude, go and find a job. Find a way to support yourself and your family. What a wife he has. She's the sole breadwinner of the family while he does what? His job is to torment the Adams family? I mean, th this is, listen, I'm telling you guys, this is a case right out of, um, what, what's the name of that investigation discovery? One about the neighbors? Fear thy neighbor? That's what this is. Man, this, this is so disgusting. I got to tell you that this really makes me upset that we have an elderly couple in this community who've lived the better half of 40 years peacefully until this dude and his wife and his kids show up. And all of a sudden, this is the foolishness that they're doing. Yes, him again, him again. Where's the police? I think they were called over the weekend from what I heard. And um, as usual, they're confused and dumbfounded and don't know what to do. So my sources over the weekend said to me that um, they were not sure how to handle the situation yet again. Commissioner, uh, what's his name? Baines? Burns? I can't even remember right now. Derek Burns, I think it is. I am begging you to please, please. There has to be some resolution to this. What he keeps doing is he keeps dragging it through the court system. This is why the NRA legally can't do anything. So they lost the grand court ruling. Now he's trying to take it up to the court of appeal. The court of appeal should refuse to hear this foolishness, but they'll probably hear it and make a ruling. How many more months is that going to be before there's a court of appeal hearing? And then... On top of it, folks, what is happening is um, during that time, he is being permitted, which he should not be permitted, to touch anything. There's an injunction in place from the Grand Court ruling, which he lost, right? So prior to the Grand Court ruling, he was able to get an injunction. I don't see why that injunction shouldn't have fallen away, but say legally it hasn't fallen away. He should not be permitted to do anything. You can't block it. You can't Somebody call, call Magistrate McFarland. This is not keeping the peace. So the Adams family, they're on probation. And this is what he recognizes, right? They're on probation. So they can't respond to him. They can't do anything. But the judge also said, I was standing, I was sitting in court. I was the only reporter there. 
The judge also said this is a two two way street. Yes, they're the they're the defendants here, but I'm also telling you as the so called complainants that you have an obligation to keep the peace as well. But what is she going to do to them if they don't keep the peace? Because guess what? They're not the ones who are subject to the court's order of a probation for two years or a year, whatever the probation order was for the Adams family. So if they don't keep the peace, nothing happens to them. It's like, really? You see, this is the kind of foolishness that I simply cannot sit back and allow it to happen. Who, who's going to help the Adams family? Both of them are elderly. They're up in age. This kind of stress is the kind of thing that can kill people. You can't even enjoy your own home. My God, you can imagine going home and being under so much stress every time you go home. Is the access to my road going to be blocked? An ambulance need to be called. They can't get in. It's just like one thing after the next. Mm-mm-mm. Unbelievable. Somebody needs to do something, even as we wait for the court. But you know, this is the kind of jackass that recognizes that he's not going to win the court case. He's hemorrhaging. Poor Mr. Um, I, I thought he was having some health issues the other day, but I guess he's okay. Um, Carson, what's his name? Car Crosby, what's his name? Carson Crosby Ebanks or Carson Ebanks? What's what's his name? No, the little man there at Fool Fool, just like Mendoza. He's hemorrhaging him. Uh, I don't know who's paying for the lawyers, but somebody's bank account is getting hemorrhaged, right? They're appealing it to the court of appeal, paying all these legal fees. And they're unlikely to win. I'm telling you, I have reviewed the case in, in good detail and he's not likely to win. That would be a fluke if the Court of Appeal found in their favor. But the court will hear the case and let you waste your money. So he knows he's not going to win. And he continues, despite that, to agitate the situation. Government is trying to take control of the road and make it a public road. And this is what this family has to put up with. Is there any way to expedite this to the Court of Appeal? When is it listed for? I'm supposed to have one coming up in May. Uh, I'm appealing my conviction, my sole conviction. And I'm willing to give up my spot in the Court of Appeal so that this can be heard. Urgent, urgent. I mean, May is still, that's still a long ways off. There's actually a sitting right now at the Court of Appeal. I don't know if they've concluded their sitting. Wow. It's just unbelievable. And I do not, for the life of me, understand why it is permitted. Well, we're into overtime this morning. So let's continue. What's a little bit more time, Shell? Uh, Cameron says, we are a country of law and order, said no one. It seems to be law and order for some. So some of us will be subjected to law and order. And then these other people. Uh, seem to get a real pass. I don't know. Bonnie's calling Valentine's Day demons. Well, I don't know, but something something is in the water recently. Um, Cameron says another one setting a precedent. 
Uh, Sue says, unbelievable. Really? How is he getting away with this? The poor Adam's family. It's so wicked. I hate to call people terms like wicked, but honestly, this man is a wicked man because he recognizes exactly what he's doing. He's doing this on purpose to stress them out. Crosby, Crosby Ebanks, right? I think that's his name. Anyway, poor Mr. Crosby, somebody told him um, that, you know, he was going to die and be able to take land with him when he died. That's what somebody told him because he said, if his grandchildren want anything from him, they have to buy it from him. Well, you sit there, Mr. Crosby. I know a thing or two. When you drop dead, somebody can take the land. Might be the grandchildren. I don't know if you got, I guess you got children. Somebody get in the land and not going to be you. You're going to be six feet under. That's how it works. <laughs> we don't get to take anything with us. But he's he has a level of ignorance, which isn't unheard of in this community. And then he's allowing this expat guy, Mendoza, who claims that he's from East End. He actually told people that the other day, that he's an East Ender. I said, geez, I'm peace. You make me go tell them East Enders that he told me he's from East End. He got family from East End. Your wife has family from East End. That's a very different situation. Her mom is from East End, but I can tell you what. No East Ender came minded would claim you under any circumstances, much less what it is you're doing now. He got family in East End. Family from where? I was like, you see how people can come here and create their own narrative? They can just make it all up. And then he actually said this to Cayman, and they were like, oh, Miss Sandy, I didn't know you found." I was like, Chan, please, don't get me started with this idiot. Family from East End? Really? Mendoza? No. His family's from Puerto Rico, and his dad must have, I guess his parents at some point moved to New Jersey, and I don't know if he was tormenting anybody in New Jersey, but when I did my public record search, because y'all know I can dig up in some stuff, they own a little $32,000 home in New Jersey. And he come to Cayman, get a decent sized property. He thinks it's beachfront, it's cliff rock, but you know that's a big deal to them to be able to see the water. And he has big dreams of turning it into this big multi-million dollar Airbnb so he can uh, earn millions and this, that, and the next thing. And so that is the reason why he's tormenting this family, because he wants to block off that right of access that has existed for 40 something years that has been codified by the land registry and everything prescriptive right that was then codified. He wants to block it off in an effort to be able to invite guests. Mind you, he's going to use a right of he's going to use that same access point up to his property. So he crosses the property of three other people. And he doesn't want anybody else who's been using that prescriptive right to continue to do so. So the Mendoza's, the um, Adam family, their house is behind his, and he wants to stop them from accessing it so he can build his big Airbnb, Airbnb, whatever the heck it is, property, and have people come in and enjoy the Cliff Rock ocean breeze and charge them a pretty penny to do so. Now he's claiming, this is how duplicitous he is. Well, I don't want anybody running through here and run over my children. You wouldn't be so lucky. Really? Uh, they haven't run over your children in five years. Because he was trying to put down speed bumps the other day, child. So they haven't run them over in five years. How all of a sudden they can get run over now? I mean, the constant lies and just, oh, and by the way, he's another one who loves to jump on Dr. Frank's platform, trying to take a swing at me because I've been very vocal about him and his shenanigans. 
2022 is here. Did y'all miss the memo? Did you all miss the memo? That this is not going to be the year that I'm going to tolerate much foolishness. Seriously. Yes, you can take sides with the likes of Frank, Mr. Mendoza, because you're both in the same box. Seriously. The community is not respecting you or Dr. Frank. And I don't care that Dr. Frank is a Caymanian. You don't even get a pass as a Caymanian because we're looking at you going, you're just disrespectful. You are rude. Birds of a feather, as Michelle says, yes. You're tormenting these poor people to death. Or that's, what, that's what your aim is. That's what you're trying to do. And in the end, it still isn't going to work. This is a hallmark, folk. L let's look at this video again. This is a hallmark of a madman. Look at him carefully. This is madness. Romelia says, can't the police stop this until the court rules? Well, that's my whole point is an injunction should mean an injunction for all parties. So he should not, if the NRA has an injunction where they can't come and put in the road, he should likewise not be able to obstruct the road in any way. So I, I don't understand uh, what is happening here. I really, really do not. Uh, Michelle says he's feisty, feisty, yeah. But when they go to court, like I said, they pretend, they sit there and pretend like, you know, um, Bonnie's wondering if maybe he's on drugs, but she said he need to come to West Bay or Barden Town where his wife family's from and try that kind of foolishness and see how quickly they would sort him out. Well, I dare say that the one group of people that I'm certain would sort you out would be those EastEnders. You're not going to try that foolishness with them. But I must tell you, I'm a little bit surprised at how complacent people in West Bay have been as well. Now, I'm advocating violence against this man. Don't get me wrong. I don't want y'all to go beat him up and then say Sandy told me to do so. But even the one time that we did the protesting, that was me getting up on a holiday Monday saying enough is enough. Let's go out there and protest. 
West Bay people, what? You can't just allow people to come in. Look at Laval, she protesting over God knows what. Right? We have a we have a right to have our voices heard. We have a right to protest. And yet it seems like we are still so complacent. We're so willing to sit back and allow none of that to take place, none of that to happen. It is beyond disturbing. All right, since we're talking about things that are disturbing, let's talk about this marriage of convenience. I was gonna save it till tomorrow, but we're already here on the verge of madness. So why not just continue? So over the weekend, I started getting messages um, on, what is it now, Monday, on Saturday evening, right? So the first message I got um, that kind of clued me into something going on, I wasn't quite sure what it was. We got multiple messages, but this one said, let me just see here now. Let me see if I can find the message. But basically this message was like, um, can someone get married outside the prison? And I was like, um, oh yes, this is what they said. So they messaged me at seven, no, 625. They said, hey, Sandra, good evening. Just want to ask a question. Uh, please keep me anonymous. Is a prisoner allowed to be married outside of the prison? And I said, outside, question mark. I don't think so. And they say, yeah, outside. Well, prisoner getting married outside. So I wasn't really sure. And I said, outside where? They said, outside of the prison. So when they said outside the prison, now I'm thinking, oh, like on the grounds, but like outside of lockup? So I said, well, um, is it in the prison yard? So they said, no. Prisoner at Fairbanks, he gets out on the weekends. Um, I don't think he's done all the necessary that needs to be done to get married. And they're asking, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, by the time they clarified on Sunday morning what they were trying to say, I already had several other people contact me and say, Sandy, what is going on at the prison? I'm like, what's going on? I don't know. All of a sudden, this guy is permitted to get married. So here to scoop now. This is what we've been able to ascertain. Some of it, we're actually not sure what's going on, to be quite frank. I've actually had someone send me a copy of the policy. Fairbanks, it's called Faith and Pastoral Care for Prisoners. This is dated 2014. Now, I understand that there might have been a revision of this um, for 2019, but I'm supposing that not much has changed. Okay. So we're going to have a look at this document here. But this prisoner has gotten married. A lot of people apparently are not happy about it. They say, uh, number one, he does not appear to have gotten permission from the prison to do so. That's where we need to now figure out what's really going on. And then secondly, that this is a marriage of convenience. That will be a matter for the immigration enforcement people to determine. And But I'm going to tell you why people suspect that it's a matter, um, that it's potentially a marriage of convenience and it has more to do with her than it has to do with him. All right, so when you get married, according to the prison policy, you are supposed to get their permission. Now, someone said to me, is he really in um, police custody? And I said, well, of course he is. 
he's in police custody. He's just allowed to go out. Apparently, he's he's released um, through the enhancement unit, as they call it, where he is allowed to go out for the day and he's trying to reintegrate into the community. So he has this girlfriend that he met on Facebook. And I guess she visits him in, in prison and, you know, the two of them have connected. And now he's at that point in his sentencing where they're going to be um, releasing him relatively soon. He was in, in jail for some robbery down at um, the Lookout Gardens little mini mart. Um, not the brightest uh, at doing that, but anyway, good to say that he got caught pretty much in the middle of the robbery. He stole uh, a customer's vehicle, ran it into a light pole, and the authorities were able to nab him uh, pretty much right away. So he was caught red-handed. He said, yes, I did it. Haul me off to jail, blah, blah, blah. All right. So um, his name is, what's his name again? Um, hold on. Let me, let me open the story and I'm going to tell you guys what his name is. I can't remember. Uh, Gerardo George Connolly. I'm guessing East End Connections. I don't really know. But anyway, oh no, those are those are the Connors. Let's not get him mixed up. Now, you know, he might not be from East End, but wherever he's from, Caymanian. And um, so he's into this mix up now with um, this woman, right? The prison director, I'm waiting on an official comment from him about this. My sources have said that he claims that permission was given and that the man has human rights. The question I have is, it seems like the prisoner's trying to clean up the situation here. When was permission given? Because this, they're hallmarks of what has happened here that demonstrates that in all likelihood, permission was not given in advance and that prison knew nothing about it. The marriage officer knew he was in prison. That's not her job. She uh, has informed CMR that they do not marry people in the prison, in the penal system. But she thought, well, he's out on weekends or whatever the situation is. Obviously, um, he does not have to seek the permission of the prison. They certainly, the prison didn't contact her. And this is where I now believe that the prison is lying and they're trying to cover up a situation. Now, I'm sure they're listening to the program as they love to do. Because the director has said that permission was given. Well, if permission was given in advance, as it should have been, explain to me how the marriage officer did not know about permission being granted. Because if you read the marriage ceremony policy, which is part of the faith and pastoral care for prisoners document, it makes it very, very clear that permission can and will be granted for someone to marry both inside and if you're a category C prisoner, you may be allowed to marry outside the venue, but with certain protocols in place. Mm. So protocols about how many guests are allowed. Okay. Protocols about um, given two weeks notice. The manager in charge of events will oversee all arrangements for the ceremony to take place, including contacting police officials if necessary. Well, we know for a fact, folks, this is not 
a question. We know for a fact that none of that happened. No prison, no manager in charge of events. And I don't know who that is at Her Majesty's prison, but no such manager oversaw the arrangements of the ceremony. In fact, what ended up happening is the soon-to-be wife, and I'll show you a picture of her. Uh, this is the wife now. She is the one who actually made all of the arrangements. So she went to Simply Weddings. I'm getting married. He's a prisoner. Um, I'm going to, you know, um, apply for the marriage notice, which is required first. Then you have people witness the marriage notice that say, yes, this is where these individuals reside. She gave an address in Northward. Apparently she she's here on a work permit of a as a domestic worker. Somebody said very tongue in cheek. Um, if only Dr. Frank was in charge of prisons, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> what a hot mess. So uh, that didn't happen. There's no manager in charge of events contacting Simply Weddings. So let, let's say that we believe Mr. Daniel Greaves for a second that permission was given then why were none of the protocols in your manual here at page 16 followed? I'm simply here to ask the logical questions, folks. All right. I, I can't be hoodwinked by anybody, especially the likes of Mr. Greaves. Mr. Greaves, you said permission was granted. May I ask when permission was granted? And we'd like the FOI documentation to see from three, four weeks ago, when that permission would have been granted, because this was planned. The marriage bans were up for weeks. So if it was granted, why, in accordance with your own policy, was the manager in charge of events at Her Majesty's prison not the one actually arranging the ceremony? It turns out that the wife did all of that. Hmm. Okay. The outside venue, it goes on to say, must be arranged by the marriage officer or a representative from the place of worship and must be one that is nearest to the prison establishment. Hmm. Right. Well, clearly that didn't happen. Simply Weddings is all the way in Georgetown. Nowhere, nowhere near the prison. Okay. And once again, the marriage officer, which would have been Miss Joy Basteo, um, doesn't know anything about having to talk to the prison about this. RCIPS must be notified and provided with relevant details that they may require. Well, RCIPS knows nothing about this wedding either. Media should also be consulted about any case that may give rise to public interest or concerns. Well, they certainly didn't tell the media about it. This wouldn't have necessarily been one of those cases that the media would have been informed about, but I'm just saying none of the criteria that are in this manual have been met. So the only logical conclusion that I can reach relevant meetings between the security manager, the marriage officer and the RCIPS that didn't happen. So none of this was done. 
So Mr. Greaves expect me to believe that a prisoner was permitted to have a wedding outside of the prison. This was allowed and he was given permission, but yet you didn't follow anything in your own manual, Mr. Greaves. Where are you from again? Because we have a saying in the Cayman Islands, I wasn't born this size, right? So in other words, I wasn't born yesterday. I'm not stupid. None of us are stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Goes on to say wedding photos are permitted, but we will be restricted to the inside the building where the ceremony is going to take place. No photographs of the bridegroom alone will be permitted. Well, once again, the proof is in the pudding, folks. Outside photos, my tweet them. What a lovely couple. I must say they at least looked good. Mm-hmm. Uh, more outside photos. I don't know where this is. I don't know if this is still at Simply Weddings or where this is, but outside photos, kissing. This one was inside. So this is the kind of thing I guess they would have allowed inside. But the outside photos, again, according to this manual, there's multiple of those, would not have been permitted. Then it talks about um, no cell phones allowed. Now, I don't know if cell phones were there or not, because I understand the bride had arranged to have a professional um, photographer. Um, the marriage certificate. Interesting. The prisoner should be advised that he or she may ask the marriage officer to use only the private postal address of the prison on the marriage certificate. If they do not want it recorded that the marriage took place in prison. Hmm. So when the wife put down that his place of residence was actually with her at another address in Northward, what address would that have been exactly? I'm not really sure. No cell phones are allowed and all guests will be searched. Folks, this is, oh, my apologies. That's inside. Let me let me scoot back to outside. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong section. Marriage inside the prison. No, no, no. Back up, back up. Oh, outside the prison. My apologies. I skipped to the next page. Didn't see that that was a new heading. Oh, yes. Um, so we didn't meet all those criteria so far. There was no meeting. Uh, prisoner will be conveyed to the ceremony in civil clothing and a suitable prison escort. No prison escort. Um... Return to the prison as soon as ceremony. Well, he he wasn't returned to the prison because um, he had until six o'clock that evening. So my sources indicated that basically what happened is 1130, this couple got married in the morning. They had a ceremony, got to enjoy the rest of their day together. I don't know if they had a reception afterwards or what transpired. Um, her name is Joan, Joan Brown. And she quickly changed her name on, on Facebook and Instagram to Joan Connolly. She's very happy to take his name. And hey, You've been marrying a guy, you've been dating a guy for three years, you know, even if he's in jail, 
Uh, maybe there is a level of love and excitement regardless of that situation. Nobody's saying that that isn't entirely possible. She put up the photos. So some of you, uh, she got a lot of support, I thought, which was quite interesting in the comment section. And um, some of you say, well, this sort of thing happens every day. Well, yes, laws are broken every single day. That doesn't mean that it's right. And that doesn't mean that you should ignore it. And it shouldn't be reported on if something is amiss here. So this dismissive attitude that these marriages alleged, in this case, marriages of convenience happen every single day, and it's no big deal. Why are you reporting on this? If you ever paid attention to CMR, you know that we have talked about this issue time and time again. Because it seems to me that the people of the Cayman Islands do not fully understand the detrimental implications of marriages of convenience on more levels than one. They are, they are as, as some old people would say, they are the ruination in part of what is happening here in the Cayman Islands. They're the ruination of our people. You don't believe it? Take a look around. Because we don't marry people of quality when it comes to marriages of convenience. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Y'all can import some straight up riffraff from all over God's kingdom. Come. They don't offer you anything. All right. So two separate issues here. The first issue is did he have permission from the court? Okay. I am willing to conclude, even at a preliminary stage, based on everything I saw in the policy and what I know happened behind the scenes, they got a phone call later on in the afternoon at the prison to say this had taken place. The, um, what's his name? Um, let me tell you what his name is now. Um, whoever answered the phone call didn't know anything about the wedding. And, oh, my gosh. Uh, so you need to email Ricardo, whoever the heck his, he, he is, who's the acting deputy director of operations. And you also need to email Mr. Greaves, Daniel Greaves, who's acting director at the prison, and notify them about this wedding. So they don't seem to know anything about it. Right? So there's quite a bit of concern. Now, here's the thing. I want to say, I do want to say this much, right? This man is 30 years old. He is an adult. She is 46 years old, although on her social media, she lied about her age. Somebody else said, oh, everybody lies about their age on social media. I'm like, really? I don't lie about my age and my birthday. So I guess that's a thing. It, it surprises me, but then it doesn't surprise me how many people who are living in the Cayman Islands both Caymanians and otherwise seem to accept people who break the law. Well, people lie all the time. That's no big deal. They lie about their age. They lie in work applications. They, they molest children. They do that. It's like, what is wrong with us? We are on a sliding scale, folks, of lawlessness. We don't respect the laws. We don't want to follow the laws. Whether it is the law of marriage, like you can't, immigration laws, you can't marry someone as a marriage, that's against the law. So whether it's that or it's more serious laws, 
leaving derelict vehicles all over the place. It's like, it's just a complete free for all. So when I was reading the comments, I really began to see in a real way how this country is completely becoming completely lawless. Y'all just don't care. You make excuses for things that are so obviously wrong. Some people are like, well, how do you know that they're not in love? Listen, I don't know these people from the man in the moon. And I'm not saying love takes all kinds of shapes and sizes and whatever. I'm not here to judge their love. I'm here to report a story that is interesting for more reasons than one. And the people who are familiar with the parties and familiar with the situation have pointed out some very interesting anomalies. Okay? All right. Y'all say age is but a number. I agree with that up to a certain extent. But age can also be an indicator of someone who's entering a marriage to have a certain benefit in life. That's why a lot of these old men, like these young girls, you know, they want somebody looking fresh and young and who's going to take care of them. A little bit of eye candy in the side. Perhaps you could argue that there's nothing wrong with that. Is there anything inherently wrong with someone marrying someone who's old enough to be their father or their grandfather? There is an ick factor with it, I must tell you. But then, you know, most of y'all can say love is nothing but a number. All right, let's accept that love is nothing but a number. Let's give her a pass as it relates to her age. I don't know why she's lying with age, but let's give her a pass in that regard. This is her third wedding here in the Cayman Islands. Where she's married someone with Cayman status. She don't fall in love with foreigners or Jamaican that doesn't have a piece of paper that gives him rights to stay and remain and work in the Cayman Islands. I'm just curious as to how love works. Hmm. Mm -hmm. She has applied for status and residency before and it was turned down. So immigration seems to already have concerns about her viability to be able to remain and live in the Cayman Islands. Otherwise, they wouldn't be turning down her application. Now, supposedly she has Cayman and children and she's not been able to get the right to live in this country through her own children. Say what? That's a big red flag. We're, we're ceasing her red flags. This is where we would be having a red flag moment. See, those are the details of this situation that would lead any reasonably, any reasonable person to now wonder what is really going on here. This does seem a little bit like a marriage of convenience. You meet a guy in Facebook. You didn't know him before he went to prison. You met him on Facebook. By the way, what's a prisoner doing on Facebook again? This is why prisoners shouldn't have access to Facebook. All right. So you meet your boo-boo on Facebook. So when you want to do couples pictures, this is how you have to do them. Poor guy. You got to take a picture with him in his prison uniform and outfit. And you on the outside by the school. And you got to put up my bae, my owner. Mm-mm-mm. That's how you got to do a couple's photo. Was this a Valentine's Day wedding, you think? But I tell you what, he cleaned up nicely for the wedding ceremony, though. You have to give him that, man. 
The beard looks nicely done. The hair must have been braided that morning. I wonder if you got highlights, the blonde highlights put in for the wedding. He's, he is an adult. You know, you can't stop the man. Even if she has a son his age back in Jamaica, you can't stop him from falling in love with her. Who knows what he saw in her from the lenses of being behind bars? I guess anything might be looking good when you're behind bars. But there's nothing inherently wrong with him falling in love with her. See what she says here on her Instagram? She says, this is the love of my life. I couldn't help but wonder where this picture's from. Because this is him. It looks like the dude's in prison. I mean, she met him in prison, right? So correct me if I'm wrong. If he's been incarcerated the entire time that she's known him, where'd she get a picture of him like this smoking what looks suspicious to me? Now, I've never smoked ganja in my life. But y'all tell me if that don't look like a spliff in prison. Anyway, I digress about the things like Facebook compliance policies and smoking a spliff. She says, this is the love of my life. All right. Not a problem, Miss June. Uh, there are questions about her working illegally outside the terms of her work permit. So people telling me she's out at the farmer's market selling coconut water and whatever. And yet there is a work permit for her to work as a domestic for some lady named MacBean, Clarita, Claretta, MacBean, some foolishness. <sighs> you can't, you can't really make this stuff up. So there are a lot of concerns about this this particular case, and like I said, I don't know the woman or anything of the sort. But what I do know is the people who have said that they have some concerns about this, they might, they might have a reason to be concerned. Mm -hmm. Now, is there anything wrong with her falling in love with a prisoner? No. I mean, I guess not. I guess people fall in love with prisoners all the time. She doesn't seem to have very high standards um, in that department because somebody else said that the other husband was like a, did somebody say he was like a, an alleged rapist or something as well? He was also in jail for something. Um, so there was also, you know, there's some something else that she was up to. <laughs> so, you know, maybe she just likes prisoners. Apparently it's a thing. Somebody was reminding me this weekend because, you know, we keep hiring these English workers who go into the prison and they can't help but enter into relationships with prisoners. And that came up recently in the Court of Appeal case with these Caymanian guys who are trying to come back home. Right? They got the prison manager all embroiled in a relationship with them. And even after she returned to the UK, after she pretty much got fired from the Cayman Islands, she's still maintaining a relationship with these prisoners. They're pausing $10,000 into their bank account in the UK. And that is why their family account, that, that's why the prison, the governor's office is like, we can't allow these guys to come back. 
Even in the UK, they're having contacts wearing more than they should. Wow. Now, this is what somebody said over the weekend, right? They said, I don't know if you ever watched that show 90 Day Fiance before, but Cayman needs to enforce better laws to prevent these people, people from gaining citizenship. In that show, it takes a process of 10 years before they can become a citizen. And every couple of years, you need to submit proof of the relationship and finances, et cetera, to even get the temporary green card. A full year before even rights to work and you have to redo the process on year five. And they say that that is way better than what we have available here in the Cayman Islands. Again, that's a legislative matter. Some other people sent me pictures of another situation. Some woman named Kayan uh, Morgan. Again, I don't know any of these people. So she's a kitchen assistant at Hilton Royal Palms Bar on the beach um, from Jamaica. Bustamante, that's Jamaica, right? High School Entertainment Club is where she studied. I don't know what that is exactly. But they sent me pictures of her and some man that um, looks like he could be her grandfather, not even her father. And they're like, this is another wedding of convenience. Now, like I said, not every time an old man marries a child or someone who, I mean, she's an adult. So not every time that they get married that it's necessarily because of the age difference, a marriage of convenience. I'm going to show you some pictures of this couple because this one is kind of interesting as well. Right? We can't assume that that is the case, but I can tell you what we can assume. Here, you know, look at this little, look at this little hot tamale of a situation. Uh-huh. Yes, my dear child. Uh-huh. Husband. Grandpa. Uh-huh. And look, yeah. You don't think you don't think grandpa can't get that. Look at papa. He can get all the way down there to take a wedding photo. She can't even bend over. She kind of like, oh, I'm gonna just lean over to the side. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Here, Jonathan saying, oh, wow. Yeah, Bobo. I hope you're paying attention. Because this is where it's at. So, somebody sent me these and said, Sandy, this is another situation. And I said, really? Hmm. This one lives in Midland Acres, married to a man twice her age, as well as for over six years. And ever since the marriage, she's been living with another man. <laughs> what? I know residents who've written into immigration about them and nothing has been done. So when they saw that story yesterday, they said, Sandy, thank you for bringing this story up. Because then you need to see who she really outwit. man. I say, but backside. Y'all so bold. 
You can come and marry an old fool and still be out in public drinking and going on with a next man where everybody can see that this is actually a fake relationship. Wow. Oh my gosh. They're not even pretending. They said that's the same girl. I'm like, it is. Do we see a tattoo in the other photo? Let me see. Oh yeah. See the tattoo right over there. Tattoos are dead, dead giveaway. Because no? sometimes when they color the hair and they change up the hair in different lighting, different environment, they kind of look different, to be honest. Ooh, the long wedding dress is gone. That had looked real chaste for a minute. And now you got the short red dress, the crop top. And that man with his hands around your waist. And you're out drinking and having a good time. Ooh, la, la. And, and where, where, where's the old man? He not out. Where's this one? Where's this fool? Where's Papa? Living with another man, carrying on another relationship. So this is why there will be people who will be extremely critical of immigration. Now, I know immigration has a tough time proving that these are fake relationships and fake marriages. But when you see this kind of evidence, first of all, immigration needs to start being a little bit of a sleuth on social media. Because just like Ms. June couldn't wait to change her name, um, post up her photos, wedding photos, whatever, people live their life on social media. Believe me when I tell you. So a lot of times you don't have to even put out a listing operation following them to see it's a fake relationship. They're telling you it's fake with all their social media posts and photos and this and that. If you marry a Caymanian folks, you're supposed to be doing a declaration that says, well, the Caymanian has to do it. I've married this foreign worker. This is a bona fide relationship, love and affection or whatever you want to call it. It's not an arrangement. It's not a payment situation. It's not a marriage of convenience, in other words. And if that should ever change, you have a responsibility. So the old man's responsibility is to notify immigration. He should be contacting immigration saying, well, the wife has disappeared and I don't know where she's gone. She must be with some other man because she's not with me in the night. I can't hug her up no more. If he ever was hugging her up, I mean, I don't know. That's what should be happening. Yes. It's on the affidavit. I myself have had to do one because you guys know I'm married to a foreign national. And I'm going to talk about that in a second because some, some donkey named um, her name was Eloise, some fake account, decided she was going to try and take a little swipe at me. I'm like, oh, poor you. Uh, you know, when y'all try to come for me and don't even get your facts straight, I'm just like, eh. Half the time you don't even, Elaine Wong, some fake account named Elaine Wong. She says, Sandra, I'm going to rattle your feathers. By the way, um, she had that spelled wrong, but I said, that's okay. I know what she meant. Uh, do you honestly think that your husband married you because he was so in love? Question mark. Many times when an expats marry us Caymanians, it's to help better themselves while loving us. I don't know what the hell that means, but most times it benefits most of us. We love each other, yes, but in your man, woman, is, what? but if your man and woman is in a position to marry his or her partner to make him or her better, are you not going to marry the person to make both of your lives better? 
Okay. Stop being vindictive because we, sh we sure know your husband didn't marry you because he was all lovey-dovey. First of all, um, Eileen Wong in your fake account, you don't know anything about my husband and you don't know anything about my relationship. What I would say to you is I don't have any concerns about anybody using me. This is not a marriage of convenience. This is very much a marriage of um, being pretty equally yoked in more ways than one. Mm -hmm. You talk about, oh, it's a situation that's benefiting both parties. Who's getting the benefit of this jail, her, jail house relationship? Now, y'all were claiming this woman got all kind of assets. And I said, oh, she does? She owns her own place? What kind of assets are y'all talking about here? Or just because she can put on clothes and look good and dress up, you think she got assets? Y'all don't know nothing about people's bank account statements and what they actually have? She's not been to Jamaica in six years. In six years, she's visited Jamaica one time. I find that so incredibly peculiar because there are very few Jamaicans that I've met that don't want to go home every year, if not more often, because Jamaicans love a yard. So you could probably very easily argue that she's not getting much from him other than the ability to be able to remain in the Cayman Islands and get status off of him. What else does he have to offer? He's in jail. I mean, hopefully he's going to come out soon enough and they can start living a, a somewhat normal life. But it's not like in jail he can give her money or anything. I guess when he comes out on the weekend, it's a sex fest because nobody's not supervising him in terms of that. So, yes, he can go and, and sex her up for the day or whatever. They had honeymoon time together. Yes, I can see it. Jamelia saying she's having a good laugh. She's crying. Sharon says, Papa gone, drink Milo, gone to sleep. Well, I don't know where he was, but he was not that night with him. Miss Donna says, boy, Miss Sandy, you're making me laugh. Happy Valentine's Day. Yes. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you. We are so jaded that people no longer get married because they like or love someone. It's all about what, what am I getting out of the relationship, apparently. And listen, no one in their right mind, although y'all do it every single day, would be marrying someone that has nothing to offer you. You shouldn't be doing that. That's not what I'm suggesting at all, but I'm saying that should not be the primary reason for their relationship. You should not be marrying someone just because they can give you and offer you status. Yes, if that's a side benefit, but you genuinely care about this person, you love this person, you can see yourself trying to make a life with this person. Nobody knows what the future will hold, but you're gonna do your best. And you can't make the assumption just like Aline Wong in her fake account is trying to make an assumption because I'm married to a Jamaican man that, ooh, there's no love in this relationship, child, please. Sometimes I'll be trying to, I'll be having to beat my husband off. I'm like, give me a break with all the lovey-dovey stuff. I got work to do. He's actually, it's none of your business, but just in case, since you're so curious, Aline, he's actually a very affectionate person. I told you guys that he is a fantastic father. But he's also a very good husband. And he's all into lovey-dovey stuff. I'm like, whoo, honey, I got work to do. But you see, you can't look from the outside and judge a relationship. And this is why I say to people, 
you know, even when people bring me a story like this about Joan and, and what his name is, um, jailhouse love or marriage of convenience, ultimately I can't make that call, but the people who were surrounded by the situation had enough information that it was newsworthy. It was a story. Poor, I know Jamelia says, poor Marlon. I know, right? He always be getting the short end of the stick and y'all don't even know him. And he's a very private person. He like, he not up and nothing. And you know what is so incredibly um, ironic is that sometimes it kind of makes me chuckle how people will view a certain situation, right? Some people said, okay, this, his mother, this guy's mother is just really, really upset. And she did, she didn't want this woman to marry him. She thinks the woman has finagled him into this relationship. Her thing is, why don't you wait until you get out of prison and you actually, you know what they say, seeming come live is two different things. You've never lived with this woman. Why don't you wait until that happens? And I think that this is actually good, sound advice, right? See what the person's like. That one weekend day that you get out, you spend, that's that's always like you're in honeymoon mode. They're not going to show you nothing about the person. They're going to doll up for that one day and pretend. And, you know, you need to be with them 365 when the makeup is coming off. The spanks are coming down. The bubba is going to hang low. The, the, the butt lifters are no longer in. The weave got come out at some point. Then you're going to see how many wrinkles she really got at age 50 with all that makeup. And whether or not when you roll over at night that that's okay. Because, hey, we all getting wrinkles. You're okay with that. Then you'll, you'll get to see what kind of personality she got. Is she only going to be cooking for you on Saturdays because you love your cooked food? Or is this a situation where, yeah, man, she really down for me, even though I'm, I made a terrible choice in life and ended up going to jail for a number of years. This is a woman who's going to hold me down whether she gets status or not. You need to have somebody like a Marlon who, and the entire time that we've been married, Marlon has never asked me a single immigration question just the other day, I finally had to put in his paperwork because it's been, it's coming up in seven years already. Can you believe it? And so I have no choice. He can't stay in an RERC or whatever it is forever. So immigration's like, oh yeah, you need to, it was actually his workplace that said to him, oh, your RERC is expiring soon. You need to get on it. And then he's like, oh, what does that even mean again? He's not a type of person that worried about, oh, what's my immigration status? Do I have status? Do I have this? I want to get a UK, he's not interested in none of that. He had the opportunity to go and work for a company that really wanted him to work for them in the U.S. earlier in our relationship before we got married. And I said to him, honey child, this is the kind of thing now where you make a decision. America or Sandy? That's the choice that you got to make right now. Because I've been in America. I've lived there for 15 years and I'm not interested in going back there right now. I'm not saying in the future. Maybe. Who knows? That might be the retirement plan. I don't know. But as of right now, I'm all about Cayman. I want to remain in the Cayman Islands. This is my country. This is where I love. And this is where I want to be right now. I want to have a child. I want my child to be born in the Cayman Islands. And I want my child to grow up free, somewhat free, and live a beautiful life in the Cayman Islands. So America or Sandy? And he picked Sandy.
my tweet him. I don't know if he knew what he was getting into, but anyway, here we are, folks. I don't know what to tell y'all, but what I will say is these marriages of convenience are ruining this country. Uh, Cameron says, spending Valentine's Day morning talking ish and CMR. What a glorious day. Happy Valentine's Day, y'all. Yes. <laughs> Jamelia says he's so quiet. Yeah, child, he not, he not into the sauce. Um, Cameron says this is modern times. We have the science to take out bubbles and bonkers. Yeah, man. All that can be adjusted. Uh, someone else's message and they said, good morning. I'm so glad that you're talking about the topic on marriage of convenience. I know several vulnerable Caymanians that fell into the trap and have been wronged by the person and to get a divorce is so expensive for them. You see, it's always easy to get in but you can't get out. So somebody said, how old is your child together? This couple, they don't have no children together. She told him supposedly that she was pregnant. Now there are people who do not believe that. I don't know nothing about that. I'm not in her productive reproductive records, but some people think that that was just a ploy to be able to get him to commit to the wedding. And then shortly before the wedding, she said, oops, I'm no longer pregnant. I don't know, honey child. I don't know. There was another person who reached out on social media about their mom who had entered into what they say is a marriage of convenience and that this man was taking advantage of her. And this has been ongoing now for a couple of years. And so now the mother has died. And the mother has died. And because he was the husband, whether it's a marriage of convenience or not, he has gotten all the benefits of her death. And this is what they said to me on Sunday evening. They were messaging before that. They said, what's the link to marriage of convenience? My mom passed away and was a victim of marriage of convenience. Well, she was a victim of it. This is where you've got to be smart. You shouldn't be a victim of it because you're part of you're part of it. So you gotta, you know, you gotta be smarter. Um, but anyway, this is what they said. She was a victim of convenience and was bedridden for over three years, a year after her marriage. Wow, this is sad. Um, they go on to say, um, I was trying for over three years, a year after her marriage, I was trying to fight it but I don't know how such thing is illegal, but is being ignored even when brought to the attention. Now I'm losing my rights because this guy had took uh, control of the funeral and ordered that the family didn't interfere with the service. And I'm afraid going to take all of her belongings now and leave me and my sister with nothing that my mom worked very hard for us both. By the way, she had a mental disorder and was getting help from NAU during all of this going on. Now, normally when you marry someone with a mental disorder, that could again be a clear sign of a marriage of convenience. So the person goes on to say, oops. Uh, you know, this is very hurtful for people who are having to live this situation, by the way. Um, what would be substantial evidence they need to prove this is true because I got her death and marriage certificate and nothing in the info provided adds up. 
He was 35 years old and my mom was 53 at the time of marriage. Because if I bring it up again, they're just going to inform him and he will go back to his lawyer. He went to again. Immigration enforcement back in 2018, because uh, I said, well, who have you spoken with? So they said they went to immigration enforcement back in 2018, but nothing came out of it. Like fart in the wind, 2019. They said like fart in the wind, then COVID happened. But now she passed away and he did it again and exclude the family, including me and my sister to plan her funeral. Now she's buried in prospect. The worst part is he didn't have much of a plan. I was told it was a government um, slot she was buried in and because uh, he didn't have the funds to bury her and my aunts had to get into it to get the program finished because there was no choice. He had nothing planned out. Said he wanted to be, said she wanted to be buried in Prospect. I can only think that's where, that's because that's where me and her was living when he met her and they didn't live together. He didn't want her staying with, with him. I mean, it's just a mess. I'm going to, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, but I just want to bring this up because I heard um, other things she wouldn't tell me and she not around to des testify. Even if she was, she was bedridden in the hospital. So just a hot situation. Um, I don't know. I don't know. All I can tell you folks is that honestly, there are a lot of people who are suffering because of these marriages of convenience. So, you know, we might find it interesting and a little bit um, tongue in cheek and humorous to look at some old man falling for a young girl, but I don't know who this old man is. I feel like telling somebody, come and pick up your grandpa for real, right? Because here's the thing about it. I, I don't know who he is and I don't know his business, but if this old man has anything, say he's worked for government forever, he has a pension, plan. He has money, whatever, right? When he dies, his family will get nothing. It will go to this fraudulent wife, to this fraudulent situation. And she's going to get everything. If the man had property that he'd worked 60 years for, right? He drops dead at 65 with this young thing in his arm, supposedly. The family, his family that has been there with him forever will not get his pension, will not get his um, I mean, nothing. And I've heard of some really tragic situations. You guys remember some months back, there was this video in circulation. We didn't share it because it was a bit much of the guy up East End that dropped down in the work site, the construction worker. And somebody took the video of the um, ambulance crew trying to revive him. Well, after that, I got a person messaging me about how his family all the way in Jamaica was looking for assistance from me to try and expose this gold digger wife who they say that um, was had just married him. He was trying to help her out. He's Jamaican, she's Jamaican. He's trying to help her out because I guess he had status or whatever. Shermaine in the Cayman Islands, not long after that, he drops down with a massive heart attack. Now the woman, the wife, whether it is a marriage of convenience or not, by law, it's still a valid marriage, right? Immigration hasn't proven it to be a marriage of convenience yet by the time he dropped down dead. 
And now she's taking the man's everything, all his little pension money, all of this, all of that. And I was like, did he not understand when he was getting into this arrangement, what it meant for him? Now his family to make like, oh, we can't, you know, we don't even have money to bury him. She wasn't even going to take the pension money and bury him. I was like, wow. Mm, 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 mm. Now this is a special kind of something. I'm like, she's not going to bury him? Nope. Mm, mm, mm. So his poor family in Jamaica is all upset because they're not going to get any money. He, he obviously wasn't all that smart. He didn't think this through. He was trying to help her. Well, you helped her to your pension money. And if you had a life insurance or anything else, you helped her to get all that now. And she gets to continue to remain in the Cayman Islands because you can actually apply for status based off of a dead spouse. I can't remember who was telling me the story. If, if you're listening to the program, that was you. Yes. I, I don't know what to do. Because unfortunately, he has found himself a willing participant trying to defraud the immigration system in the Cayman Islands, and then he's on the short end of the stick. Hmm. Sue says, yes, they get all the benefits, get away with it too. When one passes away, so wrong. This is the reality of it. Jamelia says that poor lady and only had grave side for her. Cameron says we'd be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked because I hear all this kind of stuff all the time. And when I look at the comments again on yesterday's story, one of the things that struck me is some people are like, well, why do y'all think this is a marriage of convenience? You know why? You need to look at your own history of the Cayman Islands. You need to look at the history of the Cayman Islands. It has been going on for a long time. In fact, they had to change the immigration law for that same reason. So y'all don't come rolling up on me talking about I'm just a hater and I don't want anybody to marry a foreigner. That's stupid and ridiculous. I'm all for marrying who you love. And sometimes you need to help the gene pool out a little bit by not marrying a Caymanian. But I know it as a matter of fact that this has been a very long standing issue. Go and read up on why the immigration laws are the way that they are. Talk to people, educate yourselves. It is beyond interesting folks that there have been people here who came from Jamaica, for example, who came from Honduras, for example, who came from America, for example, but mostly Jamaica, let's be very honest here, right? They had entire families back home and they come and find a sweet little thing and marry them and they're not the wiser. And all they wanted was that anchor baby. All they wanted was hurry up and get married. They already married, you know, married back home, families back home. This was something that was becoming so much of a problem that the immigration department had to put a stop to it. Hmm. Yeah. 
by actually changing the law. Imagine something is so rampant that you have to change legislation to try to address it and save people from being taken advantage of, discourage these marriages of convenience. And it hasn't stopped them. There's been a few really big bigamy cases that have been pursued. So this is a reality. This, this is why when people look at a situation like this, and then you look at the specifics, you go, wait a minute here. Right? I see some other people sending me the situation with Mendoza. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Mm-mm-mm. All right, folks. Um, those are some of the topics today. My apologies for going into overtime. Three hours and 20 minutes. Have we been here that long? Well, y'all stuck with it. Y'all were very interested in today's conversation. Big shout out to um, Dr. Newton for um, attending the program. Clinton, I saw your very nasty and disparaging comment against Dr. Newton, and I'm going to now address it. I did not want to interrupt the woman, and I certainly did not put your comment up at the time, but I'm trying to see if I can find it. Clinton, you need to learn to behave yourself. Honest to God, I don't know what do you. But of all the things that Clinton could be interested in hearing, from Dr. Newton, the only thing he could come up with is why can't we find someone who has who doesn't have an accent? Clinton, you need to be put in the naughty corner and you need to be cow switched a little bit. What are you talking about? That is ridiculous. This woman more than has proven herself as being someone who is knowledgeable, who is experienced, for whatever duration of time that she's here while they try to find a full-time chief medical officer, she is already putting plans and programs and revising policies and putting things in place that makes sense from a scientific perspective. She's able to explain the science. Does she have an accent? Duh, obviously. Should that mean that that's the only thing we should be concerned about and we shouldn't hire someone just because they have an accent? Come on now. Are we not bigger and better than this? This is so, I don't even know what to say. Xenophobic to an extreme that I simply cannot support who's a bit better at English. There's actually nothing wrong with her English. She is an English speaker as well as other languages, obviously, but she has an accent. She is doing a great job. Thank you, Magdalene. And so these types of comments, this is where we as Caymanians need to be very careful, you know, because Yes, Damien, it has a way of backfiring and it also has a way of making us look really, really stupid. A lot of people have accents. 
And it has nothing to do with their command of the English language. So you can sound very much like a Caymanian and you are, you are speaking it properly. All your verbs are properly conjugated and all that good stuff. But most of you who want to criticize people for having an accent because English is a second language, you don't even speak, but the, you barely speak the one language. Y'all y'all have to do better for 2022. It's only February the 14th, y'all. Come on now. Good Lord. All right, we got to wrap up the show. By the way, I got a beautiful Valentine's Day card for my daughter and my husband. I'm going to show it to you. Um, oh, it's so cute. It's like a 3D card, actually. Look at that. Isn't that the cutest little thing? Show you. It says, love has a way of making us feel more alive and less afraid. The best thing I ever did was give my heart to you. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, my sweetum. Oh, that's so cute. Now, he's not hes not mushy and whatever. Like, I, I probably wouldn't get any flowers or whatever today. He shows, you know, when they talk about your love languages, have you guys ever read that book about love languages? Um, my husband shows his love in different ways. So he's not the guy who's going to go out there and buy you a million roses. He's not the Kanye West of, you know, he's not the showy kind who's going to do all that kind of stuff. But he shows you love in other ways. He's going to make sure everything you need around the place is done and taken care of. You know, I don't have any issues. If he can fix it and he can resolve it, um, he's down for that. That's that's how he shows that he cares and he makes time for his family. He's not out in the streets doing nothing with nobody else. He's like, nope, I'm here with my family. He got his one, two little friends. They're family friends. He's going to bring them around and spend time with his family. All day yesterday, he was... Um, after we had brunch, he took uh, Gianna to the pool because she's really into the pool these days. Oh, God, she loves herself a pool, Joe. Dad, can we go to the pool? Can we, we don't have a pool, but she goes to a friend's pool. And she's just having the best time ever. I wish all of you have some real love in your lives. Uh, let me just check and see what our daily om of the day is. Maybe it's about love today. Love should feel good. Woo! Here we go. Let's read this and we'll end the show on a positive note. This one says, love should feel good. Real love feels good and uplifting, not jealous or anxious, and does not compromise who you are as a person. Hmm. Let's continue reading. Let me put on my specs. Often in our lives, we fall prey to the idea of a thing rather than actually experiencing the thing itself. Hmm. Yes. We see that um, at plainer love lives and then the love lives of our friends, our family, and even fictional characters. The conceptualizing depiction and pursuit of true love um, are multi-million dollar industries in the modern world. However, very little of what is offered actually leads us to an authentic experience of love. Moreover, as we grasp for what we think we want and fail to find it, we may suffer and bring suffering to others. Hmm. When this is the case, uh, when we offer more than we feel healed, we can be fairly certain that what we have found is not love, but something else. Oh. When we feel anxious, excited, nervous, and thrilled, we're probably experiencing romance, not love. Romance can be a lot of fun as long as we do not try to make it make too much of it. If we try to make more of it than it is, the romance then becomes painful. 
Romance may lead to love, but it also fades without blossoming into anything more than a flirtation. If we cling to it and try to make it more, we might find ourselves pining for a fantasy or worse, stuck in a relationship that was never meant to last. Hmm. Real love is identifiable by the way it makes us feel. Love should feel good. There is a peaceful quality to an authentic experience of love that penetrates our core, touching a part of ourselves that has always been there. True love activates this inner being, filling us with warmth and light. An authentic experience of love does not ask us to look a certain way, hmm. drive a certain car, or have a certain job. Wow. It takes us as we are. No changes required. When people truly love us, their love for us awakens our love for ourselves. They remind us that we uh, that what we seek outside of ourselves is a mirror image of the lover within. In this way, true love never makes us feel needy or lacking or anxious. Instead, true love empowers us with implicit message that we are, always have been, and always will be made of love. There you go, folks. Happy Valentine's Day. Wishing you all of the love that the universe has to offer. Valentine's Day, folks, is not just about uh, romantic love. Um, it's love between you and your children. It's love between you and a sister, a brother, your favorite aunt, a grandma, a grandpa, your friends, right? Express your love to them today, folks. It is a day for lovers, but I think we need to go beyond that and let everybody in your life that you care about know how much you care about them and how much you love them. Because the irony of life is that you never know. You never know if you will get a second chance to say that. You have it right now. Send them a WhatsApp message. Give them a phone call. Pick up the phone and just say, I love you. Three simple words. That's it. You don't know if you're going to get the chance this evening. You don't know if you're going to get it tomorrow. You guys have a fantastic day. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Cold Heart Truth. In about two weeks, guess what we're going to be doing? We're going to be on radio. So you guys have a fabulous day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at CaymanMarlRoad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings. 